I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, what's up? And welcome to yet another edition of the official King's Comic Podcast, Serious Issues, hosted by your good friends, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. Hi, guys. Every week, we sit down, we read all the books, then we come and we meet in an undisclosed location, King's Comics. <laughs> the back room of King's Comics. And we read them again, because we've read so many comics, we forgot what happened in the comics. So we read them again, and then we review them, let you know which <laughs> comics you should read and read again as well. According to our personal taste. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we start off every week by going through all the brand new number ones in our segment. First things first, then we read either DC or Marvel. Uh, we do that by finding, like, flipping a coin discover- and, and discovering which of those franchises we'll be reading first, reviewing first. And then finally, we do the indies and or image comics and other books that are not Marvel or DC. Nice. That's, that's what we're doing for the next hour and a half, yeah. Siobhan. Are you ready for this episode of Serious Issues? I think I am. Uh, so, let's kick it off. First things first, all the new issues that came out last week. I want to start things with a book that I really liked, and I don't think you did. Um, I don't think I did. I love the rare books that we, that we disagree on. Mm. Uh, Running with the Devil is the name of this arc. It is Bullseye Number 1, written by uh, Ed Brisson, uh, with art... Um, Ed Brisson is better known as, as an artist. This is him writing this book, and the art is by Guillermo Sana. Um, there's a backup written by um, Marv Wolfman, who I believe played some part in uh, Bullseye's create. Nah, he didn't create Bullseye, did he? I have no clue. He, he created Nightwing, didn't. and that's most important. <laughs> and everyone knows that Nightwing is Bullseye's dad. That's <laughs> um, where he gets his fabulous ass from. But yeah, comics legend Marv Wolfman does a backup in this one with art by Alec Morgan. But what I want to talk about, because the uh, the backup is mostly forgettable, is uh, this new story. We're getting a bunch of stories set in the Daredevil uh, universe, all of his different, well, not universe, but you know, there's a lot of Daredevil focus series starting at mm. Marvel at the moment. I can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, that shit is popular on television, Siobhan. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is, um, we've not really got like a Bullseye centric book before. Mm. Um, and uh, Bullseye is the assassin who never misses his mark uh, that has gone gone up against Daredevil countless times. He's taken from Daredevil so many things that he loves dearly, mostly women. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, like, you know, he, he's, he's an irredeemable character, basically. Yeah. And uh, I was worried that they were going to try and make him, you know, 
nice. have a conscience and make mm. you kind of root for him. And he is just a, as despicable as ever. Kills countless people, but you still are excited to see his Avengers uh, adventures and his Avengers. <laughs> Put Bullseye on an Avengers here. They did. It's called Dark did. Avengers. <laughs> I was rereading some of that recently. It's, is it good? I remember it being pretty good. The thing that's weirdest for me is there was this period where everything on Marvel was coloured really dark, and like the it was it, the, the Dark Avengers. Yeah, well, was it like yes? It so, referred to the colour palette. Absolutely, but um, yeah, I found it. I found it mostly difficult to understand what was going on because I couldn't see. Um, and that's because that, yeah, Mar- like concept-wise, maybe not the best. Marvel just didn't turn their lights on for for, <laughs> for a year. The green green movement. Um, so yeah, this book uh, I, th- I thought was a really funny um, and dark kind of grim take on on Bullseye. Uh, he he needs he's bored. He needs money, but more importantly, he needs uh, something to hold his attention, mm. and that's a big dirty paycheck that he gets for killing a bunch of people. Um, and when he's like you know trying to get an assignment from his employer, he's flicking paperclips out the window and causing massive accidents and killing countless people just with paperclips alone. I hated that. I thought that was so annoying. Really? That was yeah. Funny. I don't know why. I don't know why. I feel like the things that you liked about this, I just didn't like for no discernible reason. I found him like I don't I I don't know Bullseye especially well. Like my favorite Daredevil stuff is the Mark Wade run. Um, to which they reduce Bullseye as this like pathetic, crippled guy. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That can't so, do anything. This version of Bullseye with like a tattoo of a target on his head. I mean, that's not this version of Bullseye. Well, sorry, this is Bullseye. Every version sorry, of Bullseye. Bullseye, who has a tattoo of a target on his head, and like it's his only discerning feature. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd just be a guy. He's just a bald dude in a hoodie. Um, I don't know. He was like really sassy or something. I really like the art. Yeah. I, you know what? I think I'm maybe just not that into like extreme ultraviolency stuff, which this has in spades. So I get right that. now. Sure. Although I do like that in other things. Yeah, and in- including other issues that we're going to talk about yeah. today. So. I don't know why. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I just didn't feel like it. It's a very it's a dude's dude book. Maybe that's it. Uh, and I, I appreciate those from time to time. But uh, yeah, I like the um, the FBI agent. The, the female FBI agent whose husband was killed by Bullseye in his, like, really, really casually killed and who's told that she can't investigate it because S.H.I.E.L.D. has taken over this investigation but then is sort of given almost license to investigate it off the books by her by her superior. So, yeah, even though Bullseye is a Daredevil character, um, he's gone up against the Punisher quite a few times as well, and mm-hmm. this book feels a lot less like a Daredevil book and a lot more like a Punisher book. Um, you, That's except true. Except in this instance... The uh, you know the hero is not the Punisher who kills on on the side of the angels. This guy is like a full on supervillain, and uh, we're, we're kind of seeing things from his point of view while a FBI agent who I guess is going to be like you know who we kind of end up wanting to succeed. Um, I did like I did like the we ending see her chasing him yeah. when Bullseye is given a mission to like he has lay to low. he has to lay low and kill someone um, for some other dude. I think, I think I was mostly just bored by this. Um, and they say, like, you know, you got you have to do this, like, quietly. You have to be a bit low on this. And he turns up at the airport in costume with a bunch of flyers that say, I'm coming for you, love bullseye, and staples them to a bunch of random people in the airport. How did he get through customs, guys? I don't care. I like the ridiculous side of, of, of the street. The street level. Like, he's still street level. He doesn't yeah. have superpowers. He just... But he's so, like, being able to kill 20 people with paper clips. Yeah. That was, that was 
Like that's too that's too powerful, right? That's too boring. He's just he's just he's, a, he's an expert marksman. He knows how to how to flick a paperclip. Look, I just like Deadshot. The skills better. we need to learn. Uh, I like Deadshot better than Bullseye <laughs> too, but um, uh, I thought this. But Deadshot's not in any good books right now, so I'll settle for Bullseye. Um, so yeah, I like this. I'm definitely going to be sticking with it, and I'll, Siobhan, I'll let you know how good it is okay. each time it comes out. That sounds nice. Uh, Marvel also put out another new number one this week that I fucking hated. Oh, cool! I also was bored <laughs> by this. Um, I was kind of—I don't know why—I let myself be excited like by this because Bullseye, like, it's not really a character. It's a character that I've definitely enjoyed. I love him in um, uh, Warren Ellis's Thunderbolts run. He was used really well. Okay. Um, and uh, and I've I've enjoyed him in a few Daredevil arcs too. Um, but uh, Darth Maul from the Star Wars universe. Mm. Uh, love the design of the character. Love it when people dress up as him. Delightful. Uh, you know, great face stuff, those cool horns. There's a great good Lego, voice. Good Lego minifig of him, P- Peter Serafinovich. It was, mm-hmm. it was the voice of him in, the, in a Phantom Menace. But, uh, you know, he, he gets chopped in half in, in spoiler alert. I mean, you know, you know if you, you haven't seen it now, don't bother seeing it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Pod racing is great, I guess. <laughs> um, but they bring him back um, in, uh, they brought him back in the, in the TV show, The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And he's like a fan favorite. And occasionally when they nail the design of a character in any franchise, that you know that becomes through cosplay those characters yeah. become legendary i always think of him like i think of darth maul and boba fett as like similar in the sense that there wasn't actually that much of them that was engaging in the trilogies that they were in but for some reason people were just like yes that's the best thing ever yeah it's in purely and, and it's purely understand. i mean like you know boba fett's costume and design yeah. is so perfect and he's a sick bounty hunter guys with a cool accent yeah um but uh darth maul number one uh comic book finally came out they finally they've, guys they finally did it the darth maul comic book that we didn't know we needed and turns um, out we don't <laughs> uh it was written by cullen bunn with art by luke ross cullen bunn we read i think we've read i'm gonna say well over 10 issues of, of his various comics mm. since we started but they've all been, with very few exceptions, number ones. Yeah. Because we read, we read every number one that comes out each week, but we've not decided to, to stay on. I'm my not going to pass thing. my judgment on Colin Bunn as a writer. I'm just saying. It's very telling. He writes a lot. We don't read the end of it a lot. My favorite thing about Colin Bunn is his name. It's a good name. It's a great name. It's a great name. Great. You, you did good in the name department, Colin. And I have read some great stuff by him. I feel like I always bring up... Because so often I have to like go like, okay, I didn't like this, but I have liked things he's done in the past. Yeah. Um, uh, we always bring out the Magneto run. I yeah, li- that was great. I like the Sixth Gun, which is his uh, his uh, uh, his self created work. Uh, so he's on Darth Maul. Um, this book was so boring. That's the that's the key <laughs> thing. Like, there's just like Darth Maul is just he's just a bad Sith guy who wants to be given the he, all he wants is to kill more Jedi. But I mean, I don't know. I, I guess. He's one of the characters that I, I guess I would be more interested in reading, like, his origin. This isn't really even his origin. This is, yeah. like, one of the, the cases of them having an entire life of a character who's appeared in a Star Wars movie to tell, but instead choosing to tell it. It's, like, you know, a few months before The Phantom Menace happens yeah. or something. Um, also, guys, the book is called Darth Maul. He is a instantly recognizable character. You don't need to have, a, like, a panel where it goes, I am Darth Maul. We know you're Darth Maul. <laughs> like, we Very knew aware. that on buying this issue. Yeah, it's spent, on the front cover. We spent cover. $7.50 for the privilege of knowing your name is Darth Maul. <laughs> um, he doesn't even have the double lightsaber yet. Um, which yeah. that, that was probably one of the coolest things about him. Absolutely. Um, Look, I think, I think mostly this was just... I think the same thing with Bullseye is it's hard to write a compelling comic that's just about a straight-up bad guy. And I'm going to talk about the Jim Thompson, The Devil Inside Me later, which I think is a great example of that. Me. Killer Inside. Whatever, same shit. Um, 
I don't even read it and I know it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look, I'm very tired. Um, but this was, yeah, this was just uh, just boring. There's just no reason to come back. Oh, he, yeah. does, he does have the lightsaber, guys. Sorry. I Although there up. is a sick Chris Eliopoulos... Um, Droid, droid. Cute little droid's tail. Cute droid tail at the back, which I always enjoy. And I love that it's coloured by Jordi Belair too. It's, yeah, it's so such good. a simply, simply drawn thing that's been beautifully coloured in Absolutely. the same way. Everything is elevated by Jordi Belair on colours. Um, so yeah, I won't be sticking on with this. I think there is a little bit of Star Wars comic overkill at the moment. Um, I, I want them to hone hone in and make the, the, the good ones good before they announce all these extra series. Absolutely. Because- and it's really crazy to me that I enjoy like the Dr. Afra comic so much, who is like an invented character for the comics mm-hmm. so much more than the Darth Maul comic. Like you should, you should make Darth Maul better before bringing new characters in. No, but. you should just no, keep making, I think making new characters is how you make the comics good. I don't- That's true. That's why people loved like Knights of the Old Republic and all yeah. that kind of stuff that is no longer canon. I'm sorry, guys. But it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish they would remove that, that these were all canon. I think because people, because they can't, be as inventive as they want to, or else all of the like Star Wars diehards will get really angry. Canon is a curse, guys. Canon should be shot out of a cannon. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Darth Maul number one, I will not be continuing. How about you, Siobhan? Nah, nah. Okay, um, over to DC right now for Planet of the Apes and Green Lantern. Sorry, DC and Boom, put this on out together. Uh, Siobhan, I know you're a Green Lantern fan. What about the Planet of the Apes? Big fan? Look... As someone who is a big fan of talking monkeys, I've never seen Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so that's obviously, Jim is looking horrified at me. Give me a coffee, Jim. Just give me a coffee. So it's Jim's fault. Has to... <laughs> all of these things. All If I haven't seen a movie, it's basically Jim's fault. Um, but I found this like also quite boring. Yes. Like you have two enormous franchises that a lot of people love and this was very dull. And uh, it wasn't even like... Like, it wasn't that setup heavy. Like, they introduced all the players really quickly. Yeah. Like, too quickly, even. Yeah. Um, I think a key problem, and a problem that probably, like, you would have to know quite a lot about Green Lantern to, for this to make sense, because it the basic concept involves all of the other coloured lanterns in the spectrum. So, immediately you see, like, the pink lanterns and the red lanterns and the orange lanterns and... All the other colored lanterns, um, and they make someone. Oh, Sinestro makes like a super ring that's got all of the powers of all of the green lanterns, which already exists. That's the white lantern, yeah. right? Lynn, Lynn is agreeing with me. Um, so I just uh, like you would have to know quite a lot about Green Lantern for this crossover to make sense. I think it would have been way cooler to just have it be just Green Lantern, and like maybe just a Green Lantern that everyone recognizes. For example, John Stewart, who is the Greenland that has most, like most people who don't actually read comics, know John Stewart as from the, the cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would that would have made more sense to me. That would have been better for me. Yeah, personally, I, I feel like yeah, they introduced way too much from both universe. Well, actually, not enough from the Planet of the Apes. I, like, yeah, they was, did, I didn't know anything about Planet of the Apes, and I was pretty confused by what was going on. Yeah, why are they why are they non-talking people? Is this like the Commandy world, but worse? We'll never know, know because I'm not based. reading another another issue of this. Yeah, and look, other people at Kings really, really enjoyed this. Talia, it was like her pick of the week. She was really, really into it. Um, and I'm sure if you're like a crazy huge fan of everything involved in this, it might be for you. But um, I thought as a story, it, was, it wasn't compelling. It didn't, no, didn't grab me at all. Like you don't need to bring in the Guardians, guys. No, never. Crying never out bring loud. out the, gu- the Guardians. 
Uh, cool. So those are DC and Marvel's number ones. We got a new image number one this week, and this is one that last week we predicted uh, we knew nothing about. It's a sequel to a series called Planetoid, written and drawn by Ken Garing. And um, I knew nothing about this series. I didn't read it, um, and so I kind of reluctantly I left this one till last. One of the mm. last books I read of the week, and uh, I didn't even pick it up. <laughs> and uh, I actually really, really loved this. Mm. Um, Levin's handed it to me in a sort of you should probably actually read this way. Yeah, um, just just so before we started recording. Siobhan, you read it more recently than me. Uh, yeah. will you d- just tell me what happened in it. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude lands on a planet, right? And he's like he's an alien. He's an alien dude. Well, obviously, this is all like there are some humanoid people. Regular on this dudes can live on can land on planets too, Siobhan. Okay, so there's humanoid people on this planet, and also other. It's like a commune of mixed alien people, and then another dude lands on this planet in like a cool spherical ship, and he gets out, and he has a spherical helmet on, and he's found by the kids of the planet. Yeah, and 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 they think he's cool, and, and they think he seems like a nice dude. But when they when the adults rip off the helmet, it's actually this. Like a dude whose species has basically enslaved and killed everyone else in the universe, and everyone's like, "We have to kill this guy! Like, we have to kill this guy!" Because they're, 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 this is like a colony; they're living living on a planet in secret. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's like you know, it's really hard to land on this planet with them. Mm-hmm. And um, even though this guy claims that this alien claims that he comes in peace, just to kind of observe, <laughs> they're like, uh, "You, you, you guys made statues out of our dead bodies. Yeah. No, thank you, sir." So um, they, there is a moral quandary. Um, where pretty much everyone wants to kill him and a few people don't. And, uh, and they that, kill him. I, can't I wasn't going to spoil for oh. sure. <laughs> I kill him. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, now we're in this world where um, they know that that their planet is penetrable to uh, other, to aliens and um, maybe they're not as safe as they thought they were. And uh, will they be able to live with themselves for killing someone who was cl- actually clearly there on a mission of peace? Yeah, and I really... Like, this did such a good job because this issue was, like, felt like a complete story, which Definitely. I really enjoyed. It felt, like, it felt like a one-shot. Yeah, like, I would like, if this just ended there, I would have been totally satisfied with that. But it's obviously going to continue. And it does such a good job. as like, neither of us have read the original series that this is based on, or that this is the sequel to. Mm-hmm. And it did a, like, really impressive job of introducing us to this world, um, making me invested in it. I think I'm going to keep reading it, and I'll probably, well... I won't because I don't have the time. But yeah. I would like to go back and reread Planetoid now. And this is like a straight, um, like very, very straight science fiction uh, book as well. Absolutely. Which, you know, Image has quite a lot of science fiction stuff, but it's always way wacky science fiction stuff. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah. really, you know, like Saga has all that crazy stuff going on. This mm. is like a really straight, all the penis. cold, all those penises in Saga. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy this. And I'll definitely be reading the, the, the ongoing issues. I think it's just a mini series. I'm just going to guess six issues. Mm. Um, and uh, the original Planetoid it should be in stock in stores. Um, definitely pick this one up if you like sci fi. This is great. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big, probably a big surprise of the week. Yeah, totally. My biggest surprise. Uh, over to Dark Horse now. Did you read Baltimore, The Red Kingdom? No, I've never read any of the Baltimore comics. So this one is actually a pretty good jumping on point for Baltimore, who is like a uh, like a monster killer. Uh, it's written. It was created by Mike Mignola. Um, it doesn't actually exist in the Dark Horse in the uh, Hellboy universe. It's something that he does for Dark Horse that exists outside of that. Um, this is written by Mike Mignola with Christopher Golden, and art is by Peter Bergting. Ooh, good name. Great name. Probably doesn't pronounce that way, but 
nailed it. Um, and uh, normally, I've, I've I've never read like a, a, a full arc of uh, Baltimore. I kind of always pick up an, an issue, even though it says one on the cover. I just have no idea who anyone is. Mm. But this does a pretty good job of setting up the world. Baltimore, this like you know legendary uh, monster killer, has uh, been in hiding as he uh, figures out how to kind of save save his world from um, from monsters. Uh, and you you kind of meet meet the world as it is now. They're pretty much going to war against all, all the humans going to war against monsters, and uh, and um, I think there's like Nazis as well. I oh, guess. Sick. <laughs> um, I feel like there's Nazis in just about anything Mike Mignola does. Maybe there's not Nazis. <laughs> it just looks like there's Nazis. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, this kind of you, you introduce all the side characters really well before at the end the re- reveal of Baltimore returning. So this is a, a five five issue miniseries. Uh, hopefully, if you've not, if you've you know if you're a Hellboy fan and you've never read uh, Baltimore, um, I would pick this up. Yeah, cool. It was good. Good little. Uh, I. I, I, I I enjoy knowing what's going on, even though it's a long, you know, a story that's existed for a long time. Hmm. Uh, we had a number one by one of our favorite creators, Francesco Francavia. I didn't even know that this was a Francavia comic until I opened the first page, and I was like, "Oh, this is way more exciting than I thought it was going to be." So we know him best from um, doing the artwork on Afterlife with Archie and um, some of the artwork on Scott Snyder's Detective Comics run. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done one shots. He did a Guardians of the Galaxy run with Bendis for a while. Bizarre. Um, yeah, but he does uh, a lot of covers. Lots and lots of covers, and he has this fantastic. Uh, almost looks like you know, like. Oil painting sometimes, not oil, but like, it's like it's like weirdly pop arty and also it's very like ink. film noir inspired. Yeah, um, and uh, there's I, just no one else like him. Like that, I can I I can't think of who to compare him to or what to compare it to because yeah. it's it's totally unique to him. And he's one of those guys that has like you know people love him. some people love him, but I, I feel like if you were a classic comic book fan and you saw his art, you would think it too simple or something like that. But there's, I think there's so much incredible character in his faces, and, and he does... And, ha- like, incredible storyteller. Like, everything is very cinematic Great and very... Great use of lighting as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so this was um, a, a rarity. This is written and drawn by Francesco Frigovia. Um, he, previously, he's only written a um, book called The Black Beetle mm-hmm. um, for, for Dark Horse, which is really fun. Uh, but he's taking on the spirit, uh, the famous Will Eisner character. Um, I'm most familiar with the spirit from reading Darwin Cook's run on the spirit. Big shoes to fill, and the first page is a, you know, is a little tribute and says to Will and Darwin. And like, I can't think of many people who could do justice to the spirit these days, other than Frank Avia. For sure, and I think he absolutely does in terms of the art department. Mm. Um, uh, my favorite thing about the spirit comics is that. They they always hide the words the spirit in in like yeah. the back the backgrounds and um it's like yeah the 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 big open spread of uh, you see the spirit kind of coming in down in the the words the spirit coming down in the rain I think mm. that's beautiful I think this is maybe my the the best art I've ever seen Frank Avia do I don't know if I could possibly comment on that but um, um it's I, very very good it's, I think it was just far, by far the most cinematic I've ever seen oh of course we've recently been raving about him on Moon Knight. Yeah, and this this actually feels very much in line with his work on Moon Knight. Absolutely, but from a story point of view, um, it was fine. But it just it barely even set things up. I don't know, I don't know where we. Like, I I really think they didn't really offer. He just you know we we see like three completely separate story threads that seem to be on their way to meeting by the mm. end of the book, um, and uh, the iterations of the of of the you know famous spirit characters from the spirit himself to uh his version of commissioner gordon mm. um didn't feel very fleshed out yet but i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm i still enjoyed this i'm not denying that it'll that'll you know he's probably going to 
yeah, build look, I mean, them a lot in the, in the future issues. It was definitely like, it felt, it was like a fairly brief issue and it did feel like it was a lot of, um, a lot of threads to set up and there's an assumption that you know these characters reasonably well because they're not really introduced like that. And we don't actually see that much of the spirit. Um, but I still think like, this is still one of the best comics of the week by far for me, easily. Um, and I'm, I'm so so keen to read the rest i love like noirish crime books and mm-hmm. like ugh, frankie v is so good like he uses lighting in such an interesting way you know like yeah something like yeah anyway he's just very clever and um, i love this on uh, on noirish stuff I, I i i had a bunch of flying to do uh, oh, yeah. over the weekend and so i boy um, your arms tired hey, hey, especially right. well not because of the the joke you were telling but because i carried a uh, i decided to take an omnibus on the plane with me and, <laughs> and so my like arms balancing. are tired because of, i was of only that for a weekend uh, <laughs> i took the uh, stray bullets uh, uberalis edition on, oh, nice. on the plane with me which is like the first 40 issues of that series um and because uh, i've read it sporadically mm. never in one chunk and i remember reading the newer issues and going who's that character again mm. and god it was good to just read it all in in one chunk. I've still got about, about three issues to go in in the omnibus, and uh, fuck, it's uh, it's got to be top five comics for me. Wow! I just think like, and, and my top five comics generally are like hard crime comics, <laughs> from like a hundred bullets to to scalped, to, yeah, right. to, to stray bullets. It's I've still that, I've still never read it, which seems like a huge gap. To a, or <laughs> I haven't read any of those. Yeah, comics that they're, they're all like <laughs> they're all absolute classics to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, um, ho- hopefully the spirit comes close. So, Frank Tickets of Vicavia, it's a very solid start to what Absolutely. will, at the very least, be one of the most beautiful looking books on the stands. 100%. Um, it's, it's called The Corpse Makers, Chapter One. So, I definitely pick this one up if you're a fan of the spirit or Frank Avia. Someone's making corpses. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gotta talk about this one, don't we? Yeah. Aftershock put out a book this week by uh, two creators that we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast. Phil Hester, mm-hmm. again, another artist, uh, not re- re- regularly known as a, as a writer. Mm-hmm. So after, it's been a week for it. We've got Ed Brisson, Francesca Vregovia, and mm-hmm. Phil Hester all writing mm-hmm. something this week. Phil Hester, we've been uh, raving about his art on Shipwreck, which is a Warren Ellis written book that Aftershock also published. But this is him writing a book called Blood Blister with art by Tony Harris. Um I love Tony Harris. This in particular, and I love it when Tony Harris doesn't do photo referencing. Yeah. This is just him. Like, this is the loosest uh, Tony Harris book I've ever seen, and I loved Absolutely. it. I, th- I think he excels when he just kind of does his... It's just, like, very stylistic. Mm. Um, this is uh, a kind of by-the-numbers cautionary tale about don't be a dirty businessman or else you might get cursed by a bad thing. Yeah, but I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good cautionary tale about you got to make your kids baseball games, guys. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a scary haunted house and babies are going to eat you. Um, so that, that, Sorry that's to cer- tell you. That certainly did happen. Yeah. Um, this has ended very abruptly. It seemed like a very quick quick read. Um, so if, 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 if every issue is going to be this, this quick to read, I, I will keep reading this book. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm keen. I, I really, like, I think I mostly enjoyed it because of Tony Harris's art. Like, agreed. The story isn't necessarily breaking any new ground um Mm -hmm. but it does get very weird halfway through and very like gross gross and disgusting and like i was pretty into it it's pretty spooky yeah i'm gonna keep reading this i didn't love it but um i loved the art so yeah yeah worth Um, worth it for the art 
and it is good. It's good getting a reminder of someone that you you know have have really enjoyed the art of in the past. Like, oh yeah, I used to like you know like his work on Starman. Absolutely, is some of my favorite comic book art ever. And uh, you know, since then, you know, I liked X Machina, and mm. we've read bad issues of Justice League recently that he that he drew. Mm. He did that C three PO book that I, that was very loose, and I really yeah. really loved this. And this is a lot more in that style. Absolutely. Finally, last number one that I read this week. You didn't read this, did you? <laughs> I it was didn't. 20, oh, you did? No, I didn't. Oh, it was 25 cents. Um, this is zero issue. It's a zero, like a zero issue of, uh, of Vampirella, a character that I've never read anything of. Um, it's written by Paul Cornell, who I sometimes like. Oh, yeah. Um, and art was by uh, Jimmy Broxton. Um, Jimmy Broxton, probably best thing about this book. Yeah, the art looks lovely. Um, and where I can see. It's, thus far, it's less about Vampirella doing anything. It's more about... Her being res- it's, it's actually this is a very quick now now that I'm now that I'm scrolling through it, I'm, I'm, you're goddamn right. It was twenty five cents. It's like a uh, 12, 12 issue story, twelve page story. Sorry, um, of uh, basically like some some explorers trying to find where her tomb is. Um, I think the world is fucked up. All right, and uh, can't argue with that. Upon upon uh, finding her tomb, they kill themselves and thus resurrect Vampirella. Oh, and she eats their bodies. I. Is Vampirella a vampire or is she... Or a Rella. <laughs> is she a Rella? She's half Barbarella, half vampire. Half Cinderella. That's kind of accurate. Um, I have no idea what Vampirella is. And I really don't want to know. Okay. Does she kill vampires? I thought this is she a vampire? In your wheelhouse. I, think you, I thought you like gross, pervy, horrible. <laughs> I really do, but <laughs> <laughs> for some reason it just doesn't appeal to me. If, if she was still... I am setting the comic book industry back many years. I'm like, if she was still in the like string bikini thing, yeah, I'd read that in the Borat string bikini thing. But no, none of this feminist Vampirella. So you want Vampirella in a I want full in a neon blown, green, I want neon full green blown bo- exploitation <laughs> but, era But Vampirella. also, all she says is Borat quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Boratarella, Vamp- Vampirat. <laughs> Perfect. Pitch it now. Oh, that would be great. But like with a Transylvanian accent, so like my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's good. Anyone yeah, listening look, right now, write this comic for guys. us, please, please, please or at least draw us. Get a, in contact with Dynamite. Vampirella in a green, uh, <laughs> green uh, Borat mankini uh, with uh, two thumbs up and a moustache. <laughs> look, it's going to be better than most of the Someone please draw that. <laughs> uh, cool. Now we're going to do our famous segment. Uh, which is called Flip a Coin for DC or Marvel. Uh, uh, the coin that we're playing with today is a 2014 edition $2 coin. Oh, how exciting. Nice and small and gold. Uh, Siobhan, it's DC heads or tails? DC is tails. And it is tails. Ah, crazy. Let's talk about DC first. Kick it off straight away with uh, Batman number 16, written by Tom King, with the return of uh, David Finch on art. This is the start of a new arc called I Am Bane. Siobhan, what did you think? I mean, this is such a, like, Tom King's run is so weird. It alternates between being, like, so serious in, like, a Batman's trying to commit suicide all the time way. And then this was, like... A rollicking adventure, fun, yeah. hilarious issue. I enjoyed this so much. Me too. I'm, but I'm very okay with it being all over. Oh the yeah, place. absolutely. It's great, and it's like it's nice to have. I think it's um, the that's what the Bat family should be for. You know, like sort of Bruce's sons, for want of a better word. The way that they interact provides like the humor in this, and it's um, really well done and really. I love. I love. Jason Todd and Damian Wayne 
interacting. Yeah, that me too. Fun. That's yeah, so the, fun. The, the interaction of all the Robins was was it was incredible. Um, for for like you know, there's a big shadowing. Like, but Bane is coming to get Batman after yeah. after Batman broke his back, um, and. Uh, before we before we see all the horrible things that Bane's about to do, we get the um, Bruce wants to warn his fam- his Bat family. Mm-hmm. So all the Robins, including um, Duke, who is not a Robin, but clearly he's a Robin because he's at the table of Robins. Yep. Um, they go to meet at a, a new franchise called Bat Burger, <laughs> which is the most poor taste franchise of all time, and it's great. Where you can, you know, Bruce is like. They go, do you want to jokerize your fries? And he's like, the Joker is a homicidal maniac. He just wants to kill us so we can laugh over, so he can laugh over our, over our graves. And the guy's <laughs> like, so you don't want to jokerize your fries? Um, I love that you can buy night wings. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and That's there's something fun. on the, uh, there's like, you know, riddle me fish, killer croc monsieur, two-faced sandwich, and my favorite, KGBLT. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. And the IV salad, not poison. Yes. Um, very funny. Very clever. Uh, and there's like weird references to Zaz in the in the oh, restaurant horrifying. too. Which horrifying. Is... <laughs> um, yeah. I thought that was really, really enjoyable. And like, I think it's good that he balances the comedy and the yeah, really absolutely. dark aspects of Batman. And it's cool seeing how Duke interacts with the Robins because like Batman basically says to the Robins, I'm not here for your help. I'm here to tell you, you guys need to leave town until this is sorted because Bane is coming for everyone and we need to take him seriously. And they all go like, ah, we've died before. We'll die again. It's fine. And Duke goes, no, like we need to, we need to listen to Batman. (laughs) He's Batman. If he tells us to get out, we leave. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Um, And so uh, the Robins obviously don't heed Batman's advice and uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, guys. That's all we're going to say. Uh-oh. Wait, I don't remember what the uh-oh was. Oh, you don't remember the uh-oh? The last page. The last page? Did you even read the last page? Yeah, of course I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I just read a lot of comics, guys. Spoilers, um, guys. Oh, yeah, but that's not going to be a thing. Obviously, I know. It's pretty hectic. Oh, yeah. It was a, It was a good, and it felt really like if, like classic to me. Like, Yeah, definitely. Basically, we see... Am I allowed yeah, to spoil let's, it? Yeah, let's spoil The final page is um, you see what looks like Tim Drake... Not Tim Drake. Sorry, he's, he's already dead. He did. Damian Wayne, Dick, and Jason hung from the ceiling of the Batcave with I Am Bane written on them in blood. Pretty hectic, guys. Good fun stuff. It's and not going to be them. It's just going to be some homeless people. And the first person to see them is Gotham Girl, um, who uh, Batman is trying to treat. <laughs> and she freaks out, guys. As in, like, treat medically, not, like, give chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I have a treat for you in the Batcave. See, like, I think, yeah, I, I really think, Tom King's run is 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 really great and it's really and clever, different and cool. And I mean, we can, we talk about Superman next. I'm falling out of love with this because of this arc. Oh no! Because like I, I I'm all for them trying different stories in in between you know the, the regular issues. And uh, for me, this this was like too much of a departure from what I loved about this Superman book. Um, of course, this is written by um, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Art on this arc was by. Um, oh, Tony Daniel. I wish I wish that um, Gleason was on art for this run because I think he would have l- oh, a wait. lot of fun. Tony with Daniel it. is not Tony Harris. I Tony, Tony, Adam. Yeah. I was like, Tony Daniel different. is not Tony Harris in a very serious way. <laughs> um, but uh, so, like, we, what we love the most about the Superman arc was the father son relationship between Clark and John Kent. Um, and I actually thought the entire run was going to be mostly that. Um, but we took a departure three issues ago and it became like this kind of big Superman multiverse kind of adventure. Um, and that was actually quite fun too. Yeah. But to me, that's like 
for like I still really enjoyed this issue. It's probably not it it's maybe not as impactful as the the earlier arcs, but for me like this is what I love uh, like this is what I think Superman comics should be. Or even be just DC comics. Time. I get yeah. that. Like, I love the multiverse and stuff. And Superman but... Superman is too powerful for to for earthbound stuff really. I really enjoy stuff that's a little bit more kind of symbolic for Superman, stuff that exists on a higher plane or a different plane because I think that works way better for the character and I think this was this was fun. Yeah. Um I thought it, they tried to wrap up way too much. Like when you said it was less impactful, I thought this was considerably less act- impactful even though some big things happened in this book. But it's not over. The um the best moments of it came between the interactions between um came from the interactions between the new Superman, Keenan Kong, yeah. and um and, and Superman. I thought that that was the best thing of this arc that the, when they eat dumplings two, at the end. Yeah, meeting and, and eating. <laughs> two things that all superheroes should do together. Absolutely. Um didn't we say that? wasn't it wasn't there dumpling talk last week as well? Oh uh, yeah, they ate dumplings in Totally Awesome Hulk. Right, like that. Um, but I think like this Double for me, talk. this feels like a precursor to a bigger multiversal story sure. because it ends with like the big bad being killed and going like, "No, you don't like. I am the savior of the multiverse. I am all that stands between us and oblivion." No, so they've obviously like. I feel like the Superman may have made a mistake because is it? Do we think it's still stupid, boring Ozymandias? I don't know who this guy is. At the end, end? Is that, is that weird staff he's carrying? Does that symbol mean anything know. to you? No, I don't. Hit us know. up. Hit us up if you care. Serious no. issues at kingscomics.com. Lynn, do you know what that is? Lynn, do you know who this guy is? Who's this guy with this like staff? Is that still Mister Oz? Right. Yeah. You we're going to go with Mister Oz. I don't care. <laughs> but also, the next story arc is called Got Milk, so I hope it's about the dairy industry. Um, I'm hoping it's just like. A, a one shot about um, them running out of milk in the morning, and <laughs> and John and Clark decide to have a race to the shops to buy milk, but they've uh, they've only got skim milk, <laughs> and he's a growing boy; he needs full cream. Yes, and then they have to race to see who can milk a cow the fastest. But, but then John rips its teats off because he's not aware of no, his strength yet. Stop it! <laughs> I really no mean, wait. I know what it is. Make it horrifying. No, I, I, we check back in on the beautiful relationship between Damian Wayne and John Kent, and um. Uh, John teaches him how to milk a cow. Yeah, well, off the bat cow. Oh yeah, it's a bat cow. So and and Absolutely. like and John's horrified that they don't have any milk for for the cereal. Yeah. So Alfred teaches Alfred. Alfred teaches John Kent how to. No, no. John well, Kent teaches Damien how to milk a cow. Yeah. There's so many great ways this, this incredible story could go. Absolutely. And I guarantee you won't More be any of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, over to Bloodhaven right now. We're going to talk about Nightwing issue fourteen. Uh, it wrapped up uh, the the, uh, the Bloodhaven arc that started a few issues ago. Um, wrapped it up in quite a competent fashion. In <laughs> fact, too confident. Too confident. I hate it when things wrap up, up way very, too much, very way too neatly, and everyone gives way too much exposition about why they did what they did and yeah. while they'll do it again. God damn it! Um, but it was fine. I, you know, the, I feel like a, a important part of, of Batman comics is that. Every arc ends like this sometimes. Yeah, and it always ends like with Nightwing like teaching the bad guy a lesson. Definitely. Um, so Tim Seeley on writing and uh, Marcus Two on uh, awesome art. I really like the art in this one. Yeah, it's really um, nice. Chris Chris Sotomayor on colors too. Um, I think the thing that I like it did wrap up extremely neatly, and I wish that maybe the romantic tension had lasted a little bit longer, and that he wasn't just like, no, Nightwing has a girlfriend. Um, but I I really enjoyed this story because I think it sets up. Him in Bloodhaven really, really well. I think that like his relationship with the sort of commissioner figure is really fun, and I'm keen to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think this did a 
good job of what it was supposed to be, you know? Yeah, and so uh, the, the next arc teases... Who's that guy? Hey, Lynn, I don't know who, ba- who Batman characters are. You have to tell us. Who's that guy with that one? With the red W? We don't know. He's a sexy, long-haired, red Nightwing. Is his name Red Menace? <laughs> We've got to assume. Or... Um, yeah, because Nightwing had a... Yeah, yeah, it's Nightwing's uh, like fifty-two costume, right? When oh, weird. for some reason they just made it red. Multiverse red's Nightwing. More extreme. Multiverse Nightwing's coming, everybody. He's got sexy long hair. Did you watch? Uh, I know you didn't. There was a new <laughs> NBC show called Powerless, which is like a sitcom set in the DC oh, universe. No. It's pretty terrible, but um, Crimson Red is in it. Who's Crimson Red? She's like. Uh, I mean, originally it was like two. It's like a DC character, very obscure yeah. DC character, which is kind of, kind of sets the scene for the characters we can expect to see on that show. Anyway, don't watch it, everybody. <laughs> read comics instead. <laughs> I was like, I love Alan Tudyk, but not that much. If you want to read a comic set in the D- that, that DC put out that's funny, instead of watching Powerless, read The Flintstones, issue eight. Absolutely, guys. Um, we see Steve Pugh come back after a one issue off, and thank God, because God, he's so great on this book. We always go on about how good Mark Russell is, but like, such a big part of why The Flintstones is so good is just is is Steve Pugh's incredible like yeah. career best art on this. Yeah, and you really like. Like, it's hard to talk about art and writer separately because we don't know how intimately they work together. We don't know how much storytelling is done by the artist. But Steve Pugh is, like, like such an integral part of this book. Like, you Definitely. really couldn't... Like, the one issue that... um. They repl- like he didn't do was still good, but it didn't. It wasn't the same. It wasn't magic. It y'all. wasn't magic like this is. Um, so uh, every every of these like kind of one shot Flintstones issues. If you're not reading the Flintstones, what the Guys, fuck are you doing with your Flintstones. life? This is like a scathing um, look at like economics and and also gender issues yeah, too. Which so brilliant. Yeah, um, Mark Russell just. Uh, it's it's like the, the beautiful light that this like what what should be like one of the dumbest all American books ever is like the most woke thing I've ever read. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. But it's well, never really gross and heavy handed with it. And even when it, when it is, like for instance, when the guy who straight up like looks like, um, who's, who's the famous socialist? Lenin? The, 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 the economics teacher looks like, you know. He's like, got a little Lenin-y beard. Yeah. Um, but uh, like he, he just won't leave the kids alone trying to teach them about, about why <laughs> capitalism is evil and. Um, I can't believe, like, I feel like DC don't read this. Like, do they not, like, proofread this and go, like, maybe as a big, like, multinational whatever, we shouldn't put this out. But I love it. I love it so much. I'm not sure if if they announced that this is only going to be a 12-issue run, but they did announce that Mark Russell's next project is a Snagglepuss book. I, like, I don't care about Snagglepuss, but I'm going to read that. I actually, like, I, I do like Snagglepuss as a character. Like, he was one of my favorite characters from Hanna-Barbera. I still can't tell you anything beyond the fact that he's pink and would would say, like, heavens to Murgatroyd. And someone... Oh, all, all Hanna-Barbera characters, I, I just know their catchphrases. Yeah. And, like, someone, because um, Mark Russell said that he's going to be, like, a gay Southern Gothic playwright, which, sick, that sounds incredible. But also, he pretty much was. And also, they said... <laughs> someone said... Can't confirm if this is true or if this is just something I heard and went, that sounds right. That he's not actually going to be a cat. What? He's going to be like a human version of Snagglepuss. I'm a lot less on board if that's the case. I'm still on board. Mark Russell could write anything. Yeah, I I know. know. I'd I'd love him. I love big pink cats. Who doesn't? I'm sure. I'm sure it'll take me like two pages to get on board. Yeah, I wasn't on board with I'm the just Flintstones. Saying, at this point, I'm against it. Yeah. Um, the Flintstones, though, issue eight. This was uh, a return to form after you know maybe one or two issues that weren't quite as good as the first five. Um, this uh, 
I mean, we could honestly do a panel by panel analysis where we just could say how great all the jokes and messaging behind all this. But you know, it's a comedy book with an unbelievable heart that you don't find in any other comic today. And like with, like it genuinely has a it has a message and it has something to say and it teaches you about like economic theory in a way that is not annoying or preachy or heavy handed. It's just really clever and it talks about how like you know maybe the way that we like moving from being nomads to a agricultural society wasn't good and maybe wasn't good for women in a really interesting way that like I've never thought about that and on top of that there's a big story arc about um war. you know war and wanting to buy weapons that we don't need and taking the funding away from children's hospitals to yeah. do so yeah um, it's like it's and yeah it's very very clever also there's a character called Gronk which, as an Australian, I enjoyed a lot, especially when he he is killed and there is a gravestone which says, Beloved Gronk. Gronk <laughs> lives on in the hearts of his sons, Doug and Troy. R.I.P. Gronk. All comics, please have Character a character called, called Gronk. Gronk. Hey, should you this... know that there's a, a football player in the States called, called Gronk. 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 Yeah, yeah. Gronkowski. Gronkowski, that's right. But uh, for, for our non-Australian listeners, a, a Gronk is a brilliant high school insult yeah. that you call like a dumbass. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a photo, it's a pretty generic like insult term for like just a bit of an idiot. Yeah, you're yeah you're a bit of an like idiot. Gronk. You bloody gronk. You gronk. I love it. It's a brilliant word, and all Americans start using it. Come on, guys, um, get on board with gronk. Uh, should this um, episode be called "Beloved Gronk" or "My Vife"? <laughs> <laughs> beloved Gronk, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, comma beloved Gronk. We did it. <laughs> R.I.P. My wife. <laughs> um, over to DC's Young Animal line now for Shade, the Changing Girl, number five. Um, written by, uh, what's his name? Cecil, Cecil Castellucci and Marley Zarconi on art, um, with, art with inks by Ryan Kelly and um, colors by Kelly Kirkpatrick. It's a great art, uh, art team working on this book. Mm. looks like pop art. It really does. Um, and uh, we are kind of like really progressing more and more into this. Like the plot is really coming out of this book. And I remember a lot of complaints were that this was a hard to follow book. But I think this is like the easiest book to kind of get immersed in. Totally. Like this is line. way more straightforward than Doom Patrol or any of the other ones. I Even Mother, Mother Panic, which is yeah. like the more grounded, grounded of them. Um, yeah, this is like, you know, it, it, it's, it's all about school. It's about teenage love. It's about, uh, you know, parent parent-child relationships. It's about not fitting in. It's about bullies. It's about well, madness. Also, it's also about big alien bird women. Yeah. Um, I thought this was spectacular. Yeah. This is such... And it's got corgis in it. Yeah. Did you know that? Lynn. 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 Number one Kings. corgi lover of all time. There's a corgi in Shade the Changing Girl. Um, this week... Now li- she's going li- to read it. This week, <laughs> this week uh, King's Comics employee Lynn is uh, only communicating in... In sticky tape ripping, so all, all those all those tape sounds you heard earlier were her disagreeing with our opinions. Um, <laughs> um, and this issue ends with because um, our character Shade, who is the aforementioned alien bird woman trapped in the body of a teenage girl, who has lots of dark secrets, appears to be now having a sort of fight with the girl whose body she is using. Yeah, it's awesome. It cool brings, as brings hell, another guys. level to this already very leveled upper book. Great. And uh, very fun backup as well. Um, and, like, this is really, like, this is such an intelligent book. And, like, I've given this to my teenage sister and she really loves it. And so it's a book that talks about, like, the teenage 
the experience of being a teenage girl in a way that doesn't talk down to you, in a way that is high concept but still very relatable. Um, and plus it has this awesome, insane, trippy sci-fi element on top of it. It's like, I, I love this book. Like, you know, if, <laughs> if DZ were just putting out The Flintstones and Shade the Changing Girl, that would be enough for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, I also read a few other quick DC books. Um, well, I read them slowly, but I'm going to review them quickly. Midnight yes, in Apollo by uh, Steve Orlando um, and uh, the art team he's working with. This is uh, Midnight's ongoing quest to save Apollo from hell. Um, it's gotten it, it started to lose its way, but the last issue uh, kind of uh, really really picked things up quite well. And uh, it's got one issue left, and uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. Hmm, cool. um, Death of Hawkman number five of six. Uh, oh, Hawk Girl's on the cover. Yeah, is she? N- yes, she is. She's uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't show up in the doesn't comic. Show up in the comic. Yeah. Well, that's uh, false advertising. Although guys. one of the Hawk characters becomes a Green Lantern in this comic. Oh, so there's a lot going on. It jumps back and Cyborg forth in time. There. Cyborg is there, so, and, and there's also um, mind control, and uh, it's you know it's pretty fun. There's one more issue just left. Me. Is Hawkman going to die? I'll let you know next next month. Um, I also, uh, for some reason, caught up with Aquaman and Justice League this week. Um, How do you feel about that? Well. Aquaman, uh, this is the uh, run by Dad Abnett and one of the walkers on art. Um, Brad Walker this time, uh, who's been doing it since the beginning. Um, Aquaman, you know, my biggest problem was that it was yet another story of Earth versus the sea and everyone hates Aquaman. No one understands him and like even Superman doesn't trust him. But guess what? Aquaman saved the fucking day, what? saved hundreds of Earth people. That's crazy. He's now the mo- one of the most popular superheroes in the world. Untrue. <laughs> so uh, that's what happens in this issue, and it uh, looks like that won't last for very long because a bad guy is trying to control his bri- his his mind. But um, I enjoy the kind of change up. I like the idea of him not being this misunderstood beautiful blonde guy. Um, it's so boring. I think like I'm I'm so opposed to things changing in comics to fit in with the movies. But this is one situation in which I think it would be so smart for DC to base to like just fucking. Reboot Aquaman, make him Polynesian, make him look like Jason Momoa. Well, straight up, just make Aquaman's name be Jason Momoa. Yeah, just make it a comic about Jason like, Momoa. And he's an actor and who it, can swim and, and talk about fish. And have it just fish. be pictures of Jason Momoa. It doesn't need a plot. <laughs> just shirtless pictures of Jason Momoa. And I can guarantee you that would outsell Aquaman. Um, a uh, non-Polynesian Aquaman also showed up in Justice League number 14. Or at least give him a harpoon hand again. <laughs> or the, uh, the hard water hand? Did you like that no, one? No, oh, I like weird. the harpoon hand. Okay, right. The grizzly old sea captain vibe. Um, yeah, make Aquaman gross or, yeah. or Momoa. Or make him an <laughs> asshole again. Make Aquaman a jerk again. Okay, great. Love it. Um, now he just like, he just wants Earth to love him. It's boring. Boring. Um, that's, that's Superman. He shouldn't care. Yeah. Um, He's got his own people. Exactly. And they Sorry. hate him too. <laughs> um, so Justice League, which has been written by um, Brian Hitch, um, but uh, interestingly, you know, another arter come writer, artist, arter, fuck. Um, <laughs> I'm tired too. Um, it's very hot in Sydney at the moment. Oh my God, guys, we haven't been sleeping. Um, uh, Brian Hitch, uh, m- much more famous for being an artist um, than he is a writer, and I would say a much stronger artist than he is a writer as well. Uh, he's been writing this Justice League series um, with guest artists, but he actually wrote and drew a lot of this issue, uh, pretty much all of this issue. Um, and uh, Daniel Henriquez um, was the inker on it as well. Um, it's called Regroup. And mm. this is a one shot in which the uh, current Justice League lineup uh, get taken down by, uh, by you know, some 
earth-threatening bad guy, and they are stuck inside under like underneath some some rocks or whatever. While, while they regra- regain their breath and um, you know to, to see if they can take on this this uh, threat, they kind of have like what what starts as a doubting talk. And uh, kind of brings up all these problems that they have with each other uh, of, of trust and the fact that the Green Lanterns are new and don't even trust themselves. Why should anyone trust them? And then they bring up that, well, they're not the only new guys here. They actually, Superman is, to, is, is new to all this version of Superman is new to the league and no one really trusts each other. And Superman reveals that um, the lack of trust that Batman had on his old Earth led to him, you know, having the. the Ability, the kind of having the plans to put in place if he needs to ever take down members of the league, mm. and um, when upon learning that the league asks if this version's Batman is on that too, and he says yes, and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe it, and then they end up, you know, re- learning that all this happens for a reason, and and they needed they they need to stop trying to work as individuals w- within a team and work as a team, and it kind of. It goes all right. Let's go get it. And then the next page is like they've they've won the day. You don't see the battle. It's like, it's. Like, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this. I, yeah, I that sounds good. I've not connected with this this version of the league ever. Mm. And um, for whatever reason, this this issue made its way into my stack this week, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's nice to see some Brian Hitch art. Yeah, it looks well. lovely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend this issue. I, I'm I'm gonna hold on to this one, even mm. though I, I haven't hold on to any any other uh, issues in this run. I really like this issue as a one shot. That's nice. Go pick it up if you, if you if you dropped off of Justice League. Pick this one up. It's just a one shot, and uh, enjoy the league as they are. Mm. Those are our DC books, our tales uh, issues, if you will, our tales tales. <laughs> um, we're going to go over to heads right now. Talk about Marvel. Should we kick it off with um, Monsters Unleashed number two? Why not? Written by Colin Bunn and drawn by Siobhan's favorite artist Greg Land. What do who you think? doesn't love? Who doesn't love Greg Land? Uh, everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. I am like fine with this comic. Like it's one of those ones you just read it really quickly and you're like, huh, how about that? That is the maximum of feelings that I have about yep. this. I think that they could be doing so much more with like the monsters other than just like they're attacking heaps and it's really hard yep. for us to stop them attacking so much. There's so many of them, guys. Well, there's only like millions of heroes on this earth. And, you know, we, we know how many fantastic, uh, mostly Kirby-drawn monsters exist in the Mar- Marvel Universe, and so it's annoying to see all these kind of, like, new, nondescript kind of kaiju-esque monsters. And a lot of them are, like, based on Kirby designs and characters, I think. But Well, um, well the, all the Kirby monsters do show up at the end, so it looks Grey like... Grey Land does not do justice. No. Uh, yeah, there's some very funny facials on... Uh, on some of these monsters. <laughs> Facial is the wrong term to yeah, they, use for all Greg Land. They all look like they're <laughs> orgasming. <laughs> Greg Land, I don't know, I don't, like, is this just a thing that we all say or is it definitely true that he photo references from porn? He, um, well, he traces. Yeah, this, I, this, he is, this is like a 10-year-old argument that a yeah. people have already had. Like, it's, it's canon now that he does that and it's, you know, it's fine, whatever. It's fine, it works, If, if you're guys. a fan of Land, you're a fan of coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't dislike this event. I don't love this event. It's no. just like it's just like this funny kind of tale with all the heroes. Cullen Bunn does an okay job of, of balancing the different personalities that make up the Marvel universe. And uh, at the end of the day, it's not Civil Two. So well done, Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like the thing that's annoying for me is the most interesting part of this is the like Elsa Bloodstone story arc, and I would much rather have like two pages, like two pages of the heroes of the Marvel Universe fighting monsters and then the rest of it actually about what's going on. And then it would sell t- 5% of what it is currently <laughs> selling. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. That would be a much stronger comic. Um, that I mean, it, it's appealing to me that she is actually getting her own series called Monsters Unleashed that happens after after this um, event. Oh yeah, that'll be cool. 
So uh, look forward to that, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, let's talk about some uh, some girls in the Marvel universe who have comics. Um, let's start with the Unstoppable Wasp, issue two, uh, inexplicably written by Jeremy Whitley, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. Um, drawn by did he uh, write the first issue? Yes, yeah. Elsa Sharatia, and colors by Megan Wilson. Um, so I like this version of the Wasp. She is a impossibly positive uh, girl who break broke out of a uh, Russian like scientific lab where she'd been imprisoned for years, and they did experiments on her, and she has all, like pin particles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she's a genius, uh, but she's using her powers, and now she's in New York. She's free. She loves life, and she wants to use her powers and connections to bring attention to the women. The great women, mostly scientific-based women, like and great superhero women in the Marvel universe. Um, so it's a celebration of women in of the in, girl geniuses. Yes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Except it's written by a dude. And I don't understand why. I don't know if that's actually a problem. I just think it's weird. Is that weird, Siobhan? It seems weird. It seems weird given the message of the book. And like, you know... The argument of, like, you have to be this thing to write this thing is obviously, like, that's not true. You don't need to be a woman to write a female character. But that could be potentially part of why I find this character doesn't ring true to me. I find her, like, I don't like her. Right. I don't like the character. I think she lacks depth. I think it's, um, I find her, like, irritating. And, like, that might just be things that other people like about her. Like, her impossible positivity, despite the fact that she has been a prisoner for her entire life. And the fact that she is so cute and bubbly and perky. And, like, I just don't find her interesting or appealing. And I don't like the interaction between her and Jarvis. I find that irritating. Like, yeah, whatever. Right. This is uh, me. I'm fine with all that stuff. I don't know why. All the only thing that irks me is that like this guy was like, "I'm going to write a comic about how important women are, and I'm going to write it myself." Like, yeah, I mean, the art is definitely the best thing about it, and that's by a woman, so I mean, yeah. that's great. 
uh, yeah, so we're meeting a, a, a bunch of new characters um, that she's going to enlist on her women team. And also we've got Moon Girl in here. And I don't think this is an accurately written Moon Girl. No, agreed. Because I don't think Moon Girl likes anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I maybe, I don't know, maybe they're like, oh, this wasp girl brings out the positivity in anyone. But I think her character only really works if you pair her against people that rub, rub, that, that she rubs the wrong way. Mm. Um, and that that's not really happening. No. Oh, whatever. But I did find, like, I find, I was, like, interested in the story by the end of it. And I like the characters that they're bringing in, like the new sort of girl genius characters. That's pretty fun. I like the... Um, ending where we see a character from her past maybe like it seems like the red room are trying to get her back but there was one bit one bit that really i found really irritating where she was like what's this weird ringing thing and it was a phone and it was just a landline and like she's not two years old and it's like yeah she was in the red room forever but she knows what like yeah, she knows no, what a smartphone is over a landline. Like she knows what a landline is, and she would understand how to use it. Very irritating to me. Cool. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, it's lovely though. You still gonna read this? Oh uh, yes. All right. There you go. I hate myself. Uh, another uh, Marvel female superhero, Gwenpool. Oh god, I can't believe you read that. Are you still re- have you read that entire series? The champ? It's not Gwenpool. Gwenpool showed up in oh, Champions this God, week. Oh, God, I didn't read that at all because well, I saw Gwenpool on the cover. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, even when uh, when Scott from Kings was going through my books, picking them for my stack, he scrolled past this like five times trying to find Champions because Gwen is written over the top of Cham, so it says Gwenpians. <laughs> this is a ridiculous series that I don't know what the fuck Mark Wade is thinking with yeah. it. Mark Wade, amazing writer, one of my favorite superhero writers, writing a book that tackles extremely heavy-handed, like, racial tones. Um, political stuff. Political stuff. So you have, like, a... Uh, they're in, like, a small town with, like, a racist sheriff. Um, there's been an attack on a mosque, and he's like, I don't care if the mosque burns down. And frankly, everyone inside it can burn with it. Oh, no good. one help him. And then... Um, then the champions show up, and of course they save the day. Or do they? Because someone's tagged along, guys. It's the goofy Gwenpool hanging out and accidentally bombing people, and and like you know saying that all cops are bad. Uh, in a comic that also Look, has like graffiti that. that has swastikas and the the words "ragheads go home." Ah. Like I don't don't put Gwenpool in this book. I don't understand. Yeah. You don't tell like this like you know like politically charged book that is I guess important in into like today because like, yeah. you know I forget you know we, we let ourselves forget that while we like we're like yeah wait we get it Nazis are bad yeah like the target demographic for a book about teen champions are, is teenagers and absolutely a lot of teenagers may be in America right now trying to figure out if being Nazi is bad yeah yeah look <laughs> that's an important message but a thing that I would like something I was thinking about this week especially in terms of the Captain America comic and this um, I'm glad I didn't read this because I think I would have confused and complicated it more in my brain. But I think that you don't need to be that explicit and you don't need to set things that realistically to still get that message across. Mm. I think it actually takes away from it a little bit. You can, like, the reason that superhero comics and things like science fiction have the potential to, you know, make huge statements like that and tell us more about society than you otherwise could is because they exist on a different plane and they exist on something fantastic. And when you just make it about what is literally happening in the world right now, I don't think it works as well. Like the X-Men work so well, used to work so well because it wasn't like, 
like you could make their struggle about what you needed it to be for you. And it was about like you know the the lesson was like be like having having empathy is important. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you could you could still tell this story, but tell it in space, tell it in a more clever way, tell it in a way that isn't just literally about what's going on in the world right now, and it would probably have more impact. Do you think that's is that fair? Is that a reasonable thing to say? I find yeah. it I find it too basic and too easy to do this what they're doing now yeah I, I mean i guess this is like a you know like it's a very it's it, it is a teen book i don't know yeah yeah i, I, I don't is, need them to be blatant. on twitter sure. you know what i mean you right. don't need to have like twitter exist in the marvel universe i mean it does it exists in most books that we read like know, it's, it, so it's used very well in squirrel girl you like yeah like that's that. true yeah, maybe i'm just a crotchety old lady no that's you're true. not no i get it I, I i i think it's way too blatant here but at the same time i'm like i'm like well i don't want the I don't want comic books to not be political at all. Absolutely. And comics are inherently political. Like, yeah. you cannot remove politics from um, superhero comics because that's what they always have been. That's what they always should be. And they should comment on these things. But I just think there's a more clever way to do it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. And the lesson is always, like, you can't solve these problems by punching them. But yeah. they also don't really solve the problem. So, I don't know. They whatever. just punch things. <laughs> uh, champions. It's a weird book. Um, Hawkeye number three. Written by Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, and Jordi Belair on colors. Um, are you enjoying this any more than you were the first and second issue, or more or I less the I'm, same? I'm, I think I'm enjoying it the same as I was. I, I but I was enjoying it more than you. No, I I, I liked one. You hated one. And then I was like, oh, two yeah. not as good, and you were like, oh, too good. No, I like two. Well, I'm I, I'm I'm right back on board with it. So yeah, I really this was a fun this. issue. The art's so good. But guys. I, I, as, uh, and the colors. There's a brilliant party scene, mm-hmm. and whenever. You see um, the people dancing. It's like beautiful and colorful. Like look, look towards the end here. You have her escaping the, the building that, mm. the, that the party was in to go into a different window. And you just see this incredible splash of color. Everyone enjoying themselves at the party. Yeah. Great art in this book. Um, and like Hawkeye does fall into that sort of. Um, reacting to current events. No. Uh, I mean, yes. But I think it does it in a more clever way because it's not yeah. just straight up. Like there's a, like it does it, but there's a crazy secret society and mind control involved. You know, like it's a bit more, it's a one level above, um, and you know she does fall into that sort of thing that we maybe don't like so much of like she's really sassy and she maybe seems a little bit more one dimensional than she has in books in the past. She says three sentences that that she needs to say at all times. Three sentences yeah. more than she needs to say at all times. Yeah, um, and she kind of explains everything as it's happening like show don't tell guys but i still enjoy this a lot and i still like kate as a character and i like that she's a little bit shambolic in this like yep. i like that she doesn't do everything right perfectly all the time i like that her sort of you know, she shows up in costume and it's like oh, i have to blend in so just puts on a dazzler hoodie over her costume <laughs> and then it's like well don't need that anymore um like it's funny and it's clever and it comments on things that are happening now but in a clever way it's a diverse book um i like the sort of casual romance kind of elements to the book without actually focusing in on it too much um yeah i think there's a lot to like about this book yeah i think the last couple of pages look very frank of e mostly because a yes. lot of his um books look really like lit by candles like the lighting is so and interesting there's a bunch of candles good. in these last issues yeah, yeah this is like a yeah very i really enjoy this i think it's clever yeah yeah it might actually be more belair than it is um uh, romero like that effect. Yeah, true. Yeah. true. Um, 
Nova, issue three, another issue three for Marvel, um, written by uh, Jeff Loveness and Roman Perez, with art by Roman Perez, colours by Ian Herring. Um, this is the team-up book between uh, both Nova core members, uh, Sam Alexander, and the previously thought-dead Richard Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, they are currently in space, and um, someone, bounty hunters basically, try, try and uh, take their helmets, um, and they uh, also take down Cosmo, um, the uh, talking cosmonaut dog. Uh, who lives in Nowhere, which is a space station built in the dead body of a uh, celestial being. Mm-hmm. Who also, Cosmo also has like psychic abilities. That's right. Um, there's a lot, there's a whole bunch of great space stuff going on in mm. this. Um, and uh, this is more of more of what I liked about of the first one or two issues. I mean, the best thing about this book is the interactions between Sam and Richard. Sam mm-hmm. being the young, young, fresh kind of um, kid and, and Richard Ryder being this like, you know, guy who literally hasn't been in our universe for the last... F- seven years and feels like an old outsider and who has come back with some from the what was what, the cancer the negative zone oh the cancer verse right sorry um with some potentially icky weird new powers which i think is great great really <laughs> great i really love it i read a lot of uh richard Ryder fans online this weekend complaining about don't give richard Ryder monster powers but i'm like give him some motherfucking monster powers. make him a scary monster bro i'm into it um, and the art's so good. It makes sense that you can't just. I, I I I hate the idea of him just coming back from the cancerverse with no explanation fine. and being fine. Like I, yeah. I think it's great. Like I think you know maybe he made a deal with the devil of cancerverse or something. He has some weird cancerverse powers. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so uh, yeah, and it looks like the next the next issue we're going to see him reunited with his old flame Gamora from the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. I didn't realize that they were a couple. That's they were. pretty funny. Again, another reason why you should read the the, the Abnett and Lanning uh, co- cosmic run. Mm. You'd love it, mate. I know. You know what I, I loved, loved, mate? What'd you love? Moon Knight, number Hell 11. Yeah. Lemire, Smallwood, and Belair. Man, Belair did a lot this week. She is. She, I mean, she generally a hard does a lot. Worker. Yeah, she does. She colors a lot of things. And does everything so brilliantly. Like, every book has its own distinct feel that is brought through her colors, you know? Yeah, so uh, these issues of Moon Knight at the moment uh, flip between the present, in which he is, like, you know, bargaining for his life in order to meet Konshu, the the god who gifted him the Moon Knight powers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it also kind of flips between that and uh, kind of like an origin story of sorts. We see him, his time in the military, mm-hmm. um, which he tries to escape from, or he does escape from, and then uh, kind of enters a legal flight network. Mm. And that's how he meets Crawley. We um, find out more about his like relationship with his parents. Yeah, which is really all these cool. things I never thought I would see. Like This is like, this is masterful comics. and It really is. About a character that I... Never really, it's not one note is the wrong word, but like I just, you know, I just accepted that all I'd ever know about Moon Knight was that he, you know, Had has split exactly parts, instead yeah. of telling backstory, people just tell another character yeah. that exists within his psyche. Um, and I think this is really, really, really rad. And the thing that I really like about this is there's been like what three arcs that Jeff Lemire has done now, yeah, and they all work independently. You could read each of them as a standalone arc, but as a whole piece, they are, rich. They are brilliant, they're rich. And art so good, Small guys. Art. Holy moly. So this is another one that um, got an announcement that it's ending quite soon too. Um, but they're ending, like, a lot of people are like, what, this is shit. Fuck you, Marvel. But Jeff Lemire was like, no, we're ending this when we wanted to end it. This yeah. is how we wanted to end it. This is what we had planned. Chill out, guys. So I think, yeah, I mean, people get upset because then that we can't, we can't buy Marvel books with, like, three-digit numbers on them anymore. Um, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, yeah. only, they only go up to, like, you know, 18. Um, and I think maybe there's like a transparency that people want. They want Marvel to say like, this is a maxi series. This is one of 12. This is one of six. 
But I I think that I don't know. I don't, I, I don't care. I just want no, the story to be good. Absolutely. Um, I don't like. I, I collect enough. I don't need the things I collect to have like seventy five written on them. Yeah, that seems like a thing that like we are very much not in the kind of speculator collector. Are we comic mindset. book privileged? <laughs> well, we are comic book privileged because we get a lot <laughs> of comic books. Um, but you know, like I think there's a difference between people who want comics because they f- are, are collecting them and people who like reading them for the stories. Um, and those things cross over a lot of the time, but I, I don't necessarily get to like the, oh, I need this to you yeah. know, have, say how long I've been collecting it for, because it just, this is how people read comics now. You know, people read in trade, people read in arc, people go by writer and artist. Yeah. It's not the same and well, system anymore. I love reading from the start to the finish of long runs. When I go back to reread them, I'll find the arcs that I loved. I, I won't necessarily read the entire thing again because there's always down parts. And and when you have these, you know, these twelve issues series, you're more likely for it to all be good because mm. it's just them telling like this one story, and then another creative team can take over that character. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, that's not I, to I say like I think that you know some there is real value to be get to be got from someone who writes a character for a really long time. Like as much as I maybe am not enjoying the Clone Saga that much, Dan Slott has you know he's been writing Spider-Man for what like 10 years now but he has peaked and needs to he needs to but he might on. peak again <laughs> okay alright alright you know what I mean well J- J- Jason Aaron on Thor is a, is a good example well, too well absolutely yeah yeah cool Moon Knight um, hopefully Lemire stays with Moon Knight in some way or returns to the character in the future because he has the best grasp on, on him that I've potentially ever read Jeff Lemire is just having like a belter of a couple like the last year or yeah, so absolutely. like everything he's writing is gold mm, everything everything I don't know X-Men Oh, I'm not reading IVX? That. I'm not reading that. I mean, I am, but <laughs> that, that weird, doesn't count. That weird Bloodshot book that, um, where he's Bloodshot USA? I didn't love that. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Just let uh, me live in a world in which everything he does is amazing. Speaking of miniseries, uh, Karnak, issue six is the uh, You guys final. remember that? Yeah, this is an extremely delayed six-issue miniseries written by Warren Ellis uh, with a revolving art team for whatever reason. Uh, Roland Boshi completed this arc. Um, and, and Dan Brown. Remember Dan Brown, who wrote the Da Vinci Code? He does colors. It's not the same Dan Brown. It's not the same <laughs> I was like, Dan Brown. What really? The fuck? Um, he's, why would he have to do anything ever again? <laughs> uh, so um, I can't even. Man, I, this is. It's been so long since we visited this story that I, I guess this is, a, this is a fine wrap. Yeah. Up. Thank goodness for recap pages because otherwise I would have had no idea what was going on. In this and this is not in continuity. If you were like, but Carnax in wherever Jean Grey is keeping him in IVX. Yeah. This is just set at a different time. Um, and I thought this was a fine ending. Um, not for the fucking villain. Oh, yeah, not for the bad one guy. Of, that was grisly. I mean, like, that Warren, was Warren Ellis, between this and the way his James Bond run ended, you have two extremely dark, sudden, harsh endings. Absolutely. I'm sure he's done a few more of them. And I'm so keen too. for his Wildstorm relaunch. Yeah. Well, we forgot to mention when we were talking about DC. In the back of all the DC books this week was, like, kind of a... Warren Ellis depicting what he's going to do with the Wild Wildstorm imprint that he's being given the reins to, mm. and it it is so exciting. Uh, yeah, guys, buy one of if you didn't get one in your in your comic buying habits. Just uh, when you go to the comic book store this week, pick up a DC book from last week and uh, just enjoy those. Like it's a, it's a just it's a six page. Six I didn't page even, I didn't even read the words. I oh, you should read it. It's really redesigns. funny because he wrote it all. He's a very funny man. Very funny writer. Yeah, Warren Ellis, good stuff. Um, did you read Avengers this week, number four? I did, which I wasn't going to. I picked it up um, mostly for my boyfriend, and I really enjoyed this issue. So this is a uh, an issue giving us a like a 
backstory of of Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see any Avengers in in, in it until the very end, um, but we see kind of his side of view of this current arc. Um, Mark Wade writes a really good Kang. And Mike Del Mundo draws a incredible a everything, incredible everything, but like especially in a sort of weird, lost in time and space, trippy, melting clocks kind of universe. He's so perfect. For this, this is yeah. This is the issue where you're like, oh, now I know why Mike Del Mundo's on the Avengers. Totally. Now <laughs> this is worth it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like if you are someone that is kind of, if if you, yeah, this is definitely the the the, arc, the the story we needed to kind of get more attached to the current arc that they've got over in Avengers right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a, either a Kang fan that wants to read a good, good Kang book, this is great for you. Or if you are someone that doesn't understand the appeal of Kang, pick this up and uh, learn a little bit about the dude. Absolutely, just as a standalone little one issue, this was great. Yeah, really killer. What's going to happen next, one? Avengers versus Kang, probably. Probably seems that way. Uh, Star Wars issue twenty eight. Jason Aaron, Salvador Rocco, coming hot on the heels of issue number 27 that came out last week. Too much. Um, does this wrap it up? No. Uh, Did it... I even read this? No, it doesn't wrap, wrap it up at all. So this is like continues the story of, uh, of, oh, I of, to read this. of Luke reading the Obi-Wan diary about Yoda, who travels to a planet full of uh, little kids who uh, have blue force rocks and um, have made all their parents live inside a mountain. Um and the force rocks kind of compels them to do things, and uh, we learn that the rock is not act- the mountain is not a mountain. It ain't just uh, alive. It's like a it's a thing. It's a person. It's, it's some kind of the mountain is living. Oh yeah. So uh, it looks like the, the <laughs> I next- enjoyed this, the last issue of this way more than you, and then I totally forgot to read this. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I don't hate it. It, it. it definitely felt considerably more Star Warsy. There's a great moment of uh, Yoda um, walking up this seemingly endless. Uh, stone stairs to get mm-hmm. to the top of the mountain um and uh as he does so someone from from uh like one of the prisoners walks alongside him and, and chooses to uh end his life rather than finishing the journey at the top of the mountain it's dark it's good um and then there's also some uh some great moments where it flashes to obi-wan and then to luke as he reads the stories and the reveal of this symbol that they've found within the mountain i, I think there's actually this is a much better issue than the last one hmm. Those are our Marvel reviews. Now we move over to Image. Oh, hell yeah. Did you read a couple of Image books this week, Siobhan? I did. What did I read? We read Paper Girls number 11. I sure did. I w- I'm going to put this out there. Paper Girls is the hardest book to review in that I don't want to spoil any of it to new readers who aren't reading it because it's such a, you know, it's someone that spoils a Brian K. Vaughan book. is just, this is a dick move. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get lower than that, everybody. And it is like, it is, it's the same as Saga. It's one of those books that you can't, you don't want to you don't want to tell too much about, but continues to be like, when this book started, this is not where I thought it was going to end. Well, this is not where I thought we would be. I thought it was going to be a six-issue miniseries. This is not when I thought that we would be. No. like Without saying, saying too much, if you catch my drift. And this is so, so good. It is so good. I love this book so much. And Cliff Chang's art continues to be excellent. The colors are brilliant. Um, yeah, I love this. Yep. Uh, me too. Hard to review, but... There is crazy time travel or interdimensional travel. Yeah, I'm going to assume that like three quarters of our listeners read this book anyway. You, so, I, um, I, guys, if you're not, like, I don't understand how you could see that cover on the shelf and not want to pick this up. Yeah, beautiful color, Cliff, Cliff Chang. I, actually, I think Cliff Chang does better work than Brian K. Vaughan on this book. But um, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know why. I, I think Brian K. Vaughan chooses great people to work with. Yeah, always. definitely. Um, this was uh, it, 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 very, very off the rails, um, and. Uh, 
I think it's a, it's it's a difficult one to read month to month because um, totally. you're like wait wait what are they do? when are they again what's going on um, but uh, and I love it, that who? maybe the bad guys are Apple <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean um, maybe <laughs> but also like this is I forgot what I was about to say but it is but it is 100 percent is guys it is uh, it's if you so want to have an in depth spoilerish uh, discussion with us about this book head over to our Facebook group which is facebook.com slash mm. group slash serious issues podcast where you can uh, have in-depth conversations about anything related to comics with 500 other comic readers. Hey, all right. It's a good time over there, everybody. It really is. Come join us. Uh, also from Image This Week, uh, featuring an unbelievable classic uh, based on Sylvester-y, um, uh like variant cover, mm. um, Deadly Class number 26. For, there were uh, some great variant covers for um, Image This Week based on classic. Which was, the, which was the Savage Dragon one, Jim? Jim doesn't even. One know. of them had a Savage Dragon yeah. cover that was great. Has, it, has that one come out yet? I think it's. I think they're, they're kind of. Oh, tri- it hasn't tri- come out yet. They're, they're trickling these all out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the next issue of God Country is going to have a great, um, great Savage Dragon. What's this one cover? for? Cyber Force. I was going to get there. I would have got there. Everybody, everyone listening knows I would have got there. I would. Um, so uh, this uh, pulls the rug out from under us. Yeah. What the hell, guys? So uh, a while ago, we complained about a character from this book being dead. We didn't complain. We were like, uh, we, we were upset that the, uh, a certain arc ended in the death of a character, and how I thought like death is such a cheap way to end it. And then we were like, when we were introduced like the new class of deadly class, mm. I was like, oh, it's fine. He's dead. He was miserable. Yeah, who cares? That's cool. Like it's this is uh this that is ended. way better. Yeah. Um, where there it is now, and now we jump f- to uh, Nevada. Yeah. Um, and uh, we are reunited with uh. Not one, but two characters that we thought dead. Um, one of them, obviously, is the one we were talking about. But then there's another character who I knew when uh, she was taken out of the picture. I knew that they wouldn't just kill her. So it's good to see that she wasn't just completely dead. And I wonder how many other characters that we presume are dead in this universe are not. Yeah, I loved this. I was almost like, like I was so surprised by the ending. I really didn't see that coming. I was shocked to see both of these characters. I was much more surprised. At the middle, when we the first person yeah, that we yeah, learned yeah. is not dead, because I thought that was going to be um, uh, the character who we uh, saw get captured at the end yeah, of yeah, last, yeah. last issue. Uh, so yeah, I, I was I loved this issue. This is and this great. Was like this brought together some of the best things about Deadly Class because it like there was some really funny jokes in it as about well. Poo. Poo there jokes. was some funny poo jokes. I love funny poo jokes. Guys. This has been a very poo heavy series. Yeah, that people have shat <laughs> their gross. pants. This has been two pants shitting moments, and then there's a, a gunfight in, in an exploded toilet. Yeah, like this is just like it's a gross series, and it's like gory, and it's violent, and, and it's, it's a bummer sometimes. Yeah, but also it can be really funny. It really, yeah, like there's some just funny like one-liner kind of quippy moments by and the hero, which a are really glorious. Good last page. Oh, absolutely, and the art like cannot be stated enough. This is like such a gorgeous book to look at. Yeah. So, um, Deadly Class is uh, just hitting, kicking goals for me at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. This book is just goes from strength to strength. Um, another long-running uh, image series uh, is Invincible. Uh, unfortunately, we learned that there's only uh, 13 more issues left. So, after this one, there's, there's only one 12-issue arc, the finale. Um, so, this is 132 um, of Invincible, written by Robert Kirkman, with fill-in art by... Um, uh, Corey Walker, who was the original artist on Invis- Invincible. That's um, lovely. I don't read Invincible, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastically coloured too. Um, but uh, I, you know, this is a long delayed issue, and um, I was excited to have it in my hands to read how this certain battle that that was kind of set up in the last issue played out, and it employed a gotcha trope in mm. which two main characters were like torn to shreds oh no guys like as in like the main character and then like there's like a like oh they get rebuilt through a superpower 
that one of the superheroes is I don't like I don't even remember them ever using before, and I just thought it was such a stupid cop out. And mm. there's still the death of a character anyway, but um, technically Invincible died in this book mm. for like one page, mm. um, and I just thought that was really really cheap. And I hope that they kind of move on from this arc and do something really strong for the finale because this is actually a very good book. Yeah. Every now and then they have an issue that I hate, but uh, for the most part it is a uh, is it's extremely strong and competent. Uh, book by a great great team. Mm. So yeah, hopefully, finish. hopefully it improves for the last the last arc in a bit. Agree, um, Shimon. You know what? One of my favorite comics coming out right now, and I, I'm gonna put it out at this point. So my new thing with comics now uh, is uh, I used to always read Marvel first because Marvel put out the quickest to read books, <laughs> um, and uh, now I'm not doing that. Because um, I used to read all the superhero books because I would you know it would be late at night. I'm like cool. I try and read as many of them as possible right now. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. Now I read all the independence and image stuff first. Um, oh shit! Before we get, before we talk about the Electric Sublime, I forgot, I left out an image book, um, and that is another twenty five cent book that came out alongside the terrible Vampirella twenty five cent <laughs> book. Um, the Walking Dead was twenty five cents this um, this week, oh, and okay. uh, uh, just because it's a, a kind of an almost good kind of jump on point for a, a big new threat they face, which is an enormous horde of zombies coming towards their settlement. Um, the their last kind of um, six issue kind of big, almost like event, um, kind of, wasn't as massive an ending as I was expecting. Almost a little disappointing, but they're, they're picking up the slack here, and um, we see our heroes try and take on the most zombies they ever have in their lives before. Hmm. <coughs> and uh, the issue ends with the the gates falling down, and um, and, the, and the zombies have, uh, come, have infiltrated their base. I sort of feel like that's weak. Like, whoa, just more zombies. That's no, kind of what annoyed me about the TV series. No, but this is like, it, it was it it's was earned. set up really well. Like, okay. Because the, the, these were, these more zombies, they're not just randomly stumbling upon the thing. Yeah. They, they were used by their last enemies oh, as a weapon. Okay. So they, because they, 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 like the whisperers put on the faces of, of dead people and blended in with zombies. So um, and in doing that, we're able to kind of control the herds of them. And so they've herded them towards right. the settlement. Yeah, it's pretty God, cool. that's an icky comic. It's an icky comic. I enjoyed this a lot more than Invincible though. So there you go. Um, and uh, it's 25 cents because they hope people that you know have fallen off or only watched the show jump on and, and keep up with the current adventures. Uh, they have done some great stuff with the character of Negan. And uh, he's, uh, I, I, I love, a lot of people wish he's not really a villain anymore is, mm. uh, is, is the thing that they've done with is it. Is so, it redeemed? Yeah, uh, kind of. Hmm. It's great though. Yes. Um, the Electric Sublime is the comic that I want to go. talk about. Uh, the, the shining jewel in the crown of good comics this week for me. Um, this is out through IDW. It's written by um, W. Maxwell Prince and uh, art by Martin Morazzo, colors by Matt Lopez. And uh, I just I can't say enough good things about this. And I'm worried that this maybe is the end of it. Um, it does finish with the end, question mark. So I'm just hoping that this is just like, I like the idea of a four-issue arc. I think that's really strong. Yep. I just hope it comes back for another arc. Um, so this is all about like chaos in the art world. Mm. There is a mass murderer and an art cult. Um, and the murderer is, is, is murdering through paintings. He's, in fact, he's murdering beloved uh, elements of paintings. Um, in the past, we saw him um, destroy the, the scream. Um, uh, the, 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 the character in the scream who holds mm-hmm. his face met a grisly end, um, and uh, in and this Mona one, from the Mona Lisa. That's right. Um, and uh, in this one, we see him like our, our killer, kind of uh, the, the guy goes for a um, uh, like a, a kind of hero who's like a seemingly crazy man who can move throughout the artwork world. Um, goes from 
from painting to painting trying to look for clues and to solve this crime. And we see him have a meeting with um, Rene Magritte's um, The Son of Man, which is the uh, painting where a guy in a suit and a bowler hat just has an apple in front of his face. Mm-hmm. So he's like, and he's like, how do you like them apples? And like, there's all these funny, like these things that should be lame, but they're really clever and, 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 and sweet and funny. Um, and or then, horrifying. And also horrifying. There are, like the, the um, sort of conclusion to this arc and the way that they win is really sad and horrible. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, um, he, he's given a list of the paintings that the killer is going to take, you know, to, to move to next. And um, first he uh, goes to um, Sunday in the Park with George. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, he, he, like it's too late for that painting um, so um, he's like we have to get out the way we come in and in, instead of saying get to the chopper he says get to the hopper Classic. as in the um, artist uh, what's his name um, I can't remember my, his first name it is it's the diner the, mm. um, the classic diner uh, Nighthawks at the diner um, pa- painting by Edward Hopper yeah I don't know I just thought get to the hop- get to the hopper gave me a lot of lot of great laughs and uh, when we were, when it's revealed that the uh, the agent who looks like Andy Warhol uh, has uh, is actually working for someone, the reveal at the end of who he's working for is brilliant. Yes. Let me just say it left quite an impression on me. Ah ha ha! That is a funny joke. And I think the strength of this book is that like it is it's very clever and there's many. It's one of those books that it's kind of reminds me of. Like, it's not like this at all, but The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, in that it's a fun story for you to read. If you have a knowledge of, like, literary history, mm-hmm. it adds another layer to it. And, like, um, if you have a knowledge of art history, this gives, that's, you know, you get jokes like that and there's an extra layer to it. But even if you don't know, this is still a strong, compelling story that you will get enjoyment from. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, just a surreal detective story. Yeah. Um, and as there's, it's just, it, it, this, if, if it ended, this is the end, I can accept that it was very good, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure and I'm hoping that we're going to get another, at least another four issues of it because uh, it's a cool world that I hope they revisit a lot. Absolutely, and it's such a perfect book for Martin Morazzo to work on. Like, yes. Th- th- his art is incredible. He does such a great job at aping and bringing the other art styles into this while still making it look like his own and Absolutely. looking consistent. And uh, after this and A Night at the Library, A Week at the Library, sorry, W. Maxwell Prince is 100% on my radar as uh, one of the better writers to watch. Absolutely. Um, I read another IDW the book this week. Um, it is a series that I binged all of. There was a, this is the second se- the second kind of run of it. Uh, the series is called the October Faction, and it's written by Steve Niles with art by Damian Worm. Steve Niles most famous for those, those horror books that everyone loves. Like mm. was it like Three Thousand Days of Night or whatever it is? Yeah, Thirty Days of Night. Thirty Thirty Thousand Days of Night. Um, and uh, this was uh, this is a. Uh, kind of almost like a Wes Anderson-esque kind of horror book mm. about a bunch a family of like th- their father w- and their mother were monster killers and now one of them is like has like magic powers one of them has like um, psychic powers one of them dates a vampire oh, like yeah. and one of, the, one of them got bitten by a werewolf and now is a werewolf and it's like this really really fun entertaining always moving at a really brisk pace like monster comic. Mm, who's on art? Uh, the art like, is by Damien Worm, and like it, it's, it's kind aqua- of Temple Smithy. Yes, absolutely. Um, and when that's another, another one of uh, Steve Niles' uh, frequent collaborators. Yeah. Uh, but this is 
a really, really great series, and I'm sure we've got some listeners that have been reading from the start. And to them, I say, you were smart. You, you mm. chose a good series from the beginning. You got it on the ground level, and uh, look where you are now. Good job, guys. Uh, so, yeah, October Faction, another one of my favorite books of the week. Uh, also read issue two of Box Office Poison, the uh, color versions of uh, one of my favorite comics of all time. Um, and Siobhan and I are doing a fun experiment where we read this uh, 20-year-old comic issue mm. by issue, and uh, Siobhan, who's reading it for the first time, talks to me about how she's thinking about a comic that I have read about three times. Mm. Um, I sort of like this, you know, like it's not, it definitely feels like a 20-year-old comic. Yeah. Um, but the characters are pretty fun. I like the art style more than I did even in the last issue. Oh, his art, the art gets stronger and stronger. Like it improved, it seems to have improved so drastically just even from the last issue. And um, I sort of like kind of, quiet-ish slice of life stuff. Like, there's not really anything else like this coming out in singles at the moment. Mm, it feels almost like an autobiocomic, except that it's not. Yeah, and this uh, absolutely, like, um, amps it up from here too, but not in a ridiculous way, but the relationships and the 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 friendships are, are changed yeah. considerably and you end up, like, you know, it's funny in these first 10 issues, you start barracking for characters that you end up hating by the end of this run. Sick, I'm really Which is really, really cool. Because is this... um. I'm sh- I know we talked about this before, but I have a memory like a sieve. Um, was this originally a webcomic? Uh, no, it was before the web, mate. Mm. So this, he, he was self- completely self-published zines and stuff like that that ended up right, being picked right. up by okay. Yeah, the collection so came out on like Top Shelf. It feels like a webcomic, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and IDW bought Top Shelf, so I guess they're just kind of you know finding Top Shelf's greatest hits and recoloring them. It's written by Alex Robinson with colors by Pat and Lewis. Uh, podcast listeners, if you listen to the podcast Star Wars Minute, that was created by Alex Robinson. So if you are interested to read something that he has done, this is a, probably the best thing he's done, even cool. though this is also the only thing of his I've read. I've read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have it all on my iPad. I'm going to catch up on uh, a few things he's written more recently uh, while I'm on tour. Nice. Uh, so yeah, IDW. Awesome week for IDW. Yeah. Oh, even I've got one more that I've read. Oh, see. Gem and the Misfits, um, which is this uh, reality TV show uh, series featuring uh, like a, a guest, these, the band from the Gem universe called the Misfits kind of having a reality TV series set in their house and their older arguments. Written by Kelly Thompson with um, art by Jen Saint-Onge. Saint-Onge. Um, Good name. And uh, I made a joke when we, when we reviewed the first one about how um, sometimes people use uh, like an overweight character and that's just their character. Mm. Um, but uh, they build on this character really well and they obviously use her weight as she has like – she's. She's not really into the idea. She's the only one who doesn't sign off on having the reality TV show start in her house. And we delve into her struggles with her weight and how she, you know, she's happy the way she is. Mm. Why can't the rest of the world leave her alone? And it's done really beautifully. And it's not, it's not like it's empowering without being like, you know, oh, we said you go, you go girl. So it's empowering. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of depth to it. And I, I look, I, I was like, this was on the chopping block for me. I, I was like, I don't know if I really need to read this book about a band. It's in the universe I've never visited before. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I, I thought this was actually, you know, we complain a lot about, I think girl power can be done really badly mm. in, 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 book and, in books. And like, you know, what I like about feminism isn't necessarily conveyed very well in comic form all the time. And uh, I thought this was, they did a really good job in this book. So uh, kudos mm. to Kelly Thompson for, for uh, tackling a subject that I think is done in... Uh, in a you know kind of way too broad and positive way sometimes mm. yeah 
Um, on an extremely different note, <laughs> I read the final issue of um, Jim Thompson's The Killer Inside Me, which has been um, adapted by Devin Faraci with art by Vic Malhotra. Um, kudos, and kudos to that team for finally delving into uh, <laughs> giving justice to it. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, this is like a this is a this is a heavy read, and this is like a you know an irredeemable sort another of another one. Um, protagonist he's not a hero he's definitely not a hero he is a bad bad guy and um it's been interesting reading this as his as the walls close in as his you know he does more and more murders and he um it becomes harder for him to get out of them and he's had to do more killings and it's finally you know he's finally been been caught been made and he um ends up in a asylum but then the ending is horrifying. Um, oh I really, I really enjoyed this. You know, I feel like if you probably, if you already know what this book is, and if you like that sort of thing, it's sort of like a gritty southern crime, horrible thing. You'd probably, um, you'd enjoy this. I think they did a good job at. I think you know, Devin Faraci did a good job at transcribing the story and um, making it a compelling comic book. I think it works really well. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so I see we've both read two boom books. Before we get that, why don't you read the two books? Review the two books that I didn't read that you've got in your stack. Oh, okay, cool. We've got an Archie book Oof. and a Titan true crime book. Man, and they could not be more different books. And I feel wrong for the one that I like and the one that I didn't. So um, for some reason, I'm still reading Josie and the Pussycats. By... Which is like similar to this Misfits book that I'm reading. Yeah, Another yeah, book yeah, about yeah. an all-girl band um, written by a young female writer. Yep. Um, so it's written by Marguerite Bennett and Cameron Diordio. I didn't pronounce that correctly. Diordio. Whatever. Diordio. Um, Art by Audrey Mock is definitely the best thing about this book. Like, the second you open this, it is such a wordy comic book. Like, it is ridiculous how long it takes me to read this book. And, like, that can sometimes be nice. Like, reading the Black Monday murders, you're like, wow, that took me, like, almost an hour that I feel like I'm getting so much from this. Because it's so much world-building stuff and yeah. histories and, you know. And- but this is just, like, everyone's a fucking comedian. Like, there is no, like, there is almost no difference between Josie, Valerie, and Melody. They are all these, like pseudo-intellectual, snobby, snappy, quippy, like, really not especially likable characters. And I don't think female characters have to be likable or anything like that. But this is just like, there's no difference between them. And every page has so many cultural references that you need to, like, you need a... Like, they should have notes in the back so that you can understand what they're talking about, what sure. they're saying. Because, like, it is ludicrous to expect, like, who is this book aimed at? This aim, this book is aimed at Marguerite Bennett. And that's it. <laughs> like, she just wrote a book for herself. And she makes, like, there's nothing I like about <laughs> these characters. I don't, I don't understand what the plot is. It is, like, borderline surreal what's going on in it. Um, they fight jewellery robbers and that should be fun but it's just not they're in Rome on a tour and Alan M like fucks around on Josie and you know she thought that they were in a relationship but he was just having fun Jose I thought we were just having fun and it's boring and it's not fun and it's I'm sorry for being so angry about this, but I love, like, the Pussycats is, like, it's a solid concept and you can do fun things with them. Like, the Josie and the Pussycats movie shows how easy that concept is to do something fun with. And I think that they've just taken this and made something really hard to get into, really, like, I feel like there's a lot of barriers to enjoying this. Um, 
and I don't I don't find it I don't find it appealing you know like it's it's too 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 quippy too hot too long to read too hard to read too unappealing you don't I don't believe the characters I don't believe their friendship I don't believe that some like these people could exist you know it's uh, yeah whatever yeah well I should stop reading it yeah, that was I mean, really scathing. But, but I understand <laughs> what, I mean, this, this, the cat, this is a, a franchise that's very dear to your heart. So it's you know, yeah. it's like when I saw Batman v Superman at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's yeah, and like I didn't see Batman v Superman because I knew it would upset me, and I just should stop reading this because it's it's not. I don't. Yeah, I don't get who this is for. Right. Yeah. There you go. Whatever. Um, and I'm definitely like a bad person because the book that I enjoyed way more than that was um, another hard case crime issue, which is um, put out by Titan Comics. And this, um, so this is The Assignment, which is a, you know, I'm surprised I haven't heard more people talk about this, but maybe it's just because I don't really keep on top of like... It's being turned into a movie, which, which we just found well, out. Well, I think this might actually be based on the movie. I'm not sure because this says, um, this is based on the screenplay adapted by someone called Matts with art by Jeff. Everyone has one name. Um... And this, like, um, so this is a movie that's coming out about a assassin and um, who is kills someone dear to some to this evil doctor's heart, and so he, the evil doctor um, steals him and <laughs> <laughs> performs uh, like gender reassignment surgery. So he wakes up as like a very sexy lady, um, and immediately seems to have access to a lot of wrap dresses and heels. Um, like, <laughs> 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 I do find it. I find this a million times more believable and compelling than the Josie and the Pussycats comic. The art is great. It is very like Euro. It reminds me of like Minara. Um, and there's like there's a fair amount of tits in this. Like it's a fairly exploitative comic. Um, and like I, it's it is a controversial book and it is like complicated for me to talk about because I'm, I'm obviously not trans and there's some stuff in this that's a little bit wonky maybe in terms of trans rights um and it might not be the most like sensitive to trans issues but i find this a genuinely compelling book and it is it is a you're getting bang for your buck it's a long issue every issue is great um the art's really really cool it's just kind of a compelling story you know like it's a basic assassin story but with this huge really unexpected (laughs) twist (laughs) like i didn't expect it like apparently it was originally called the reassignment which would have made it um make more sense but i didn't i didn't see any of this coming i think that that's like a crazy concept i'm interested to see how this assassin because this sort of this issue is more about um frank who i don't know if he's given himself a new name yet frank um kind of getting her shit together. So she starts like drinking herself into a stupor every night and then kind of decides, actually, I need to find out who did this to me. I need to hunt them down and I need to like get revenge and I need to like get myself back together. So buys herself a fancy suit, gets some guns and she feels like herself again. Um, And now she's going to start like, start fucking shit up. All right. I'm really keen to see this movie and I think I'm a bad person and I think I'm wrong for liking this. Yeah, this but I really <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um feel free to argue with me. Absolutely. I'd love to hear other people's perspectives cuz I don't know anyone else who's reading this. Um 
but I even think the movie looks good. The movie's got Sigourney right. Weaver and Michelle Thanks Rodriguez. for listening to our new segment, Siobhan's the Worst. Siobhan's the Worst <laughs> Person. I'm a big trash bag. Sorry, guys. Now we're going to review the boom books that we read this week. Hey, I liked Bullseye. I don't understand why you didn't like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me, guys. Um, should we review Goldie Vance? Yes. Um, so this is the first issue of Goldie Vance to not be drawn by our beloved Brittany Williams. And also to be co-written. That's right. Um, by... So, uh, by Hope Larson and Jackie Ball. Um, and uh, I saw that and I was like, uh-oh, is this where it all goes south? And this, I'm actually enjoying, I think this, this is a much better beginning to the arc than the one we got last time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't know if it's better, but it is equally as good. And the thing that I like about this is I would love it if this was a character that even if Hope Larson, because Hope Larson has a lot on her plate, She's writing a lot of graphic novels and standalone stuff and she has her own stuff to work on. I would love it if Goldie Vance could become like a central character for Boom and could continue on and be taken on by other writers and other artists. A legacy character. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I like this more than the other one because the other one was all about like like spacemen and people under the, under the I water. Like I like that this is, this is a bit more grounded and it's back to uh, what I love Goldie Vance for loving is uh, her cars. love of cars and car racing. And um, I just think I love that she's just, you know, she just knows everything about about cars people trust her as like the best mechanic in town even mm-hmm. her enemies and um i like the team up between her and and the and the, and the, the race car driver that she hates mm. um and uh yeah i thought this is a really strong beginning to uh to a new arc i i i, I, I still enjoyed that last arc but mm. um it didn't feel like the same series that i that, that, that i started reading when it when the series first started i sort of liked that i liked that it kind of took it to a place that i wasn't expecting because it reminded me of the kinds of books I read as a child. Like, there's something very nostalgic about this book. Like, Nancy um, Drew-esque, like, you know, now we're going to Spain. Totally. Because someone lost a dagger. Yeah, (laughs) but there's so much much to love in this. Like, I love there's like, kind of weird class elements. Like, uh, um, Goldie's enemies are kind of the racers whose parents bought cars for them and, like, they can afford all of the newest, fanciest cars that she can't get. And I like that um, her relationship, because I think it's, pretty obvious that it's a romantic relationship even if they haven't stated that explicitly um but it's very sweet and it is so well done yep. and it has that real kind of young love element that i'm i'm just crazy about and, and it's I never think they do it's, such a great job it's never the focus of the story it is no. this isn't a romance comic she no. just you know has a relationship with it and it's she's awesome. his girlfriend it's, it's great the best yeah yeah like guys buy this buy this for your kids golly man it's fantastic it really is um Another great boom book that uh, just took us by surprise. She has no right in being as good as it is. It really doesn't. Is uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. They don't even say verses or meets. It's just Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. The two Kurt Russell franchises come together. It's Pliskin versus Jack. Double Um, the Kurt. And um, this is uh, a tour de force written by Greg Pak with uh, incredible art by Daniel Bayliss. It's nutty. It it really just goes all out crazy in mm-hmm. times. The There's story, magic guitars. The story is fun and pretty easy to follow, and uh, it's everything that a crossover comic should be. And, and those like, things honestly should, at best, just be passable. But this is fantastic. Absolutely, and I've said before, like it's so great that the the two. Kurt Russell voices are distinct and sound like they should. He, Greg Pak has done a brilliant job of like encapsulating what makes Jack Burton Jack Burton and what makes Snake Plissken Snake Plissken. Um, and I love the you, like Jack's like Jack's the hero. Jack's the knockabout guy who you know he's just lucky. Just yep. things turn out turn out right for old Jack. Um, and this sees them you know teaming up with David Lopan and like all this kind of crazy stuff that's um. 
Yeah. So fun. And Daniel Bayless's art is so great. So great. And the colours, like, it's yeah, everything. It's sort it's of technicolour. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. We, actually, we should give a shout out to Triona Farrell on colours because they're fantastic. It's such a great part to what makes this uh, an incredible to read book. Who's the, um, was the present, because I've seen Escape from New York, but um, I have actually my bought both, is... b- both movies in the last week and I'm <laughs> going to watch them uh, on a plane this week. Fun. Um, but Jim, was the president of the United States actually in Escape from New York? Who yeah. was he played by? Um, Escape from if you've made it this far, I like that I asked listeners. Jim instead of just looking it up on IMDb. Yeah. Anyway, I really enjoy the um, the way that the president of New York is. Um, he, he looks like a, what I wish Luther looks like. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Donald Pleasance. Oh, Donald who's Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. You know, he looks. Like, he's this guy. He was. Does he end. look like the illustration? Um, Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Daniel Bayless does a great job He's of in Robin Hood. He does excellent. Um, what's the, what's the word? He was. was they Don, look like the was characters. Donald Pleasant's Blowfield from James Bond. Anyway, Maybe. this is a, this, <laughs> this is not if, if you've made it far in this episode of, uh, of of serious issues. This is what you get. Um, but Daniel Bayless does a great job of like the characters look like they do from the movies, but exaggerated. You know, like Kurt's chin is massive, um, and it's. Just heaps fun. He was. Really he great. is Blofeld. I'm the best. You're the best. The guy with the eye Good and job. the cat that Dr. Evil was based on. Congratulations. I did it, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my name is Levins, and her name is Siobhan Coombs. It sure and is. We review these comics every week. We love doing it. We love uh, hearing from you when you uh, like or dislike our opinions. Absolutely. Come argue with us on the internet. Uh, Serious issues at kingscomics.com is the email in which you can get in touch with us. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, Or join our group and discuss comics live with us 24-7. And all of these comics can be found at... Um I am biased, but the best comic book store in the world, King's Comics, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney or kingscomics.com. And uh, we will see you next week. Are we um, going to talk about what's coming out next week? Oh, shit, we are. A great segment. Also, um, <laughs> twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues if you choose to do your social mediaing on that particular site. Uh, and uh, Siobhan can be found. Siobhan CBG, Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and also, if you are in... Um, uh, where am I going to be this week? Perth, Adelaide, or Melbourne, or Sydney? You can catch me on tour <laughs> with uh, Bewitched, S Club, um, E Seventeen, Atomic Kitten, and Liberty X. Goodness gracious, guys! Uh, I know. Close made, ticket in town. If this is the first episode, you're like an hour forty five minutes of me ranting about comics. And now you learn that I'm a DJ that goes on tour <laughs> with nineties relics. <laughs> wow, what a world. Uh, so, the books I'm looking forward to uh, next week are the second last issue of Mark Wade and Chris Sumney's Black Widow run. Oh my God, I can't believe it's nearly done. Uh, a brand new issue of Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, the uh, <sighs> romance comic featuring Dead Man that DC are putting out in prestige format. Best thing. Um, we have a brand new Empowered book, which yes. is super exciting, coming from Oh, speaking of, sorry, but um, Empowered is the next book for Queens of Kings, the women's group at Kings Comics. We are meeting on February the 19th, Sunday at 5.30 p.m. at Kings Comics. Um, we're going to be talking about Volume 1 of Empowered. And I'm really psyched because I haven't read that before. And it seems like something that's very up my alley. So I'm very keen, it's a great keen series to chat about it with, the, with Adam, Adam Warren. Really, really worth checking out. So if you're a Sydney-based um, geeky lady, please come on down. It's a heap of fun. Um, we finally get the Justice League of America Rebirth issue by Steve Orlando. He's been working towards it with a very one shots that we've oh, been getting great. each week and we finally get the full thing mm-hmm. um, after getting Bullseye this week we get Kingpin number one 
uh, this week as well. Oh, cool. I'm and very And this one is uh, you're probably more likely to be enjoyed by Siobhan because it's been written by um, Matthew Rosenberg, mm-hmm. who uh, wrote the fantastic Kingpin um, miniseries that, were part of, that was part of Civil War II. Probably the, 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 the only the shining light of Civil War II was mm-hmm. that, that miniseries. And uh, he also wrote uh, Rocket Raccoon and, uh, of course, uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which is one of my favorite books that I never talk about in the show because I always read it way too late. Um, we also get... I don't know. Well, something that something that I'm really really excited about is um, Image are printing something that was originally printed, I think, at the Nib. Um, uh, it is Black History in Its Own Words by Ronald Wimbley, who's one of my just all time favorite comic book writers and artists. Does it come out this week. Yeah, it's coming out oh, this week. Sick. So it is. Um, he did Prince of Cats, and he also did a couple of issues of She-Hulk, and he's done some other brilliant, brilliant work. Definitely, if you don't know him, look him up. He is amazing, and he's got two Image series coming out hopefully um, this year. Black History in Its Own Words is a bunch of um, sort of one-page sort of uh, big images that he did um, to celebrate black history in its own words. So it's just quotes by famous um, African-American figures, black American figures, um, and it is heaps worth your time. It is so worth checking out. And if you are already a Ronald Wimberly fan and if you like the sound of this thing, he is currently selling um, the original sketches for these. And they are astonishingly affordable and like I have a couple of original Ron Wimbley things um, and his work is so brilliant guys it's so worth having it would look it would look beautiful on any of your walls so I highly recommend checking it out yeah excellent hmm. I love Ron, Ron Wimbley a lot those are the comics we're looking forward to next week make sure you pick them up and uh, we can discuss them on next week's episode which uh, I'm just going to tease it now there might be a very special guest ooh is it me? Yep, it's you. It's Jamal Coombs. Jamal Coombs and uh, then a very not special guest also <laughs> joining us next week. So uh, look forward to another fun guest-packed issue of uh, – oh, issue, we'll call it issue – of Serious <laughs> Issues. Um, and you can catch us uh, there. That's where we'll be. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts – one is called Hey Fam and is about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.